Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of the Third Impact Anime Podcast. And on this episode, we are talking about the recent Macross Frontier movies that released in theaters just last week and in the future at the time of the this part of the recording, but we'll get to that shortly. My name is Austin, and my weird Macross Frontier cell phone would be shaped like a coffee mug because I really like to drink coffee, and if I had a coffee mug that was also my cell phone, that would be very convenient. Uh, I Yeah, and I would be able to, you know, pour beverages into it and drink out of it and also check and scroll Twitter. So I think that's what I would want my phone to be if I were in Macross Frontier. And I'm Sarah, and my phone would certainly be probably like, have you seen that little duck with a little fake plastic knife? It would be that. Oh, it would that's definitely very be fun. that. Yeah, I think that's the vibe for sure. Does it like quack whenever it, you have a text message? Yeah, you just like when you squeeze it to like uh, mm-hmm. answer a text or open a thing. Yeah, for sure. Just a okay. little yeah, that's real good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Real good choice. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Very, thank you. very silly compared to my very practical phone, but uh, I appreciate silly. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's very important. So excellent. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad. Uh, yes. So we. <laughs> are talking in this part of the episode about the first Macross Frontier movie, The False Songstress, which came out as of this recording last Friday in theaters, courtesy of Fathom Events. And then, because it is not quite out yet, I think it comes out next week, the second film, which its name escapes me, we will be coming back and talking about that uh, in the second half of this episode. So yeah, it should be a lot of fun. I'm happy to see more Macross in theaters, a franchise I have extremely low familiarity with, and uh, Sarah has an extremely high familiarity with it, so I'm sure you're very excited to be talking about Macross Frontier this week. Oh yeah, it's going to be fun. A great double feature, truly. (laughs) Well, before we get into our main topic, uh, there are a couple of anime news items I think we wanted to generally talk about in the uh, pre-show. And the first one, unfortunately, is a uh, a bit of a downer. Uh, We wanted to talk about and sort of reflect on uh, the passing of voice actor Billy Kometz, who passed away from uh, stage four colon cancer about maybe he passed away on June 9th. So that's maybe two weeks ago from the time of this recording. And he was only 35 years old uh, from the many testimonies of people that worked with him in the anime and video game industries. He seems to have been a truly excellent person and wonderful to work with and be around. So it is very, very sad that he passed away at such a such a young age from uh, such a such a terrible disease. And uh, he, uh, for those that are not familiar with his career, he was uh, Josuke in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable, who is my second favorite Jos, excuse me, my second favorite JoJo underneath Joseph. And uh, his performance was was very good. He also played uh, Gallo in Promare, which is, uh, of course, as you listeners probably know if you've listened to this podcast one of third impact anime's favorite movies Mm -hmm, uh, of mm -hmm. all time and uh his performance as gallo is also uh truly truly stupendous very bombastic very appropriate for uh the tone of that film and he also played um the uh, the spider boy villain in uh ruri in uh, demon slayer the first season 
Oh, cool. Yeah, so he he leaves behind quite a body of work. I know he was in Fire Emblem Three Houses and Persona Five as well. So uh, it is it is very very sad to uh, to hear that he passed, um, especially at, at, again at such a young age. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, shout out and uh, our thoughts and uh, condolences to uh, his friends and family in this very difficult time, of course. Another piece of news that we wanted to talk about that was a little bit more on the happy side, actually quite a lot on the happy side, at least for me, is that G-Kids recently announced that they have the home video and theatrical rights to Evangelion Rebuild 3.0 plus 1.0 Thrice Upon a Time in North America, which is excellent news. Previously, it was an Amazon Prime exclusive, and since Amazon doesn't typically give two hecks about anime, it was just sort of put up there. They did dub it, which is nice, and kind of just left. But knowing that it, along with the original series, are now both going to be in the very capable hands of G-Kids uh, warms my heart. And it warms my heart even more so to know that we are going to be getting a theatrical release of this film. Yes. And I'm so excited i know sarah you you haven't seen it yet right i haven't because i was like i'm just gonna wait and see if it gets a theatrical release sometime whenever covid dies mm-hmm. down and then uh it never did and now it is so yeah yeah uh to be honest on so, a certain level i forgot about like i could just watch it on prime at some point mm-hmm. but i just kind of had other things to watch <laughs> mm-hmm. so it worked out in the end i guess well, now you can watch it the way Hideki Anno intended on your Nintendo 3DS. I'm kidding. You can watch it in in theatrical in 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 theatrical format in all of its beautiful glory, and I'm I'm so happy that that G Kids is going to have it. This does make me speculate and hope that they can license rescue the previous rebuild films from Funimation slash yeah. now Crunchyroll. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I do hope that maybe we can get like a like a four film box set at some point that would be nice maybe yeah. like a 4k release that would be sick yeah i've also whenever the first two films came out i'm pretty sure that was like high school college so mm-hmm. i did not have money for blu-rays too much too often so i was like i'll just wait until the fourth one comes out and get a box set and then that kind of got derailed a bit by the delay of this fourth one um but yeah we'll see i would love for like just a really quality box set i would definitely pick it up i think you thinking in 2010 i'll just wait until they're all finished (laughs) yeah 12 years later because deep in my heart i was like there's no way they're not gonna make a box set for them (laughs) so we'll see maybe I, I certainly hope so. I mean, I don't know. There's not many times that G-Kids has made like a box set mm-hmm. proper mm-hmm. of things that aren't like TV series, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. So this would be a good opportunity. I do hope that, you know, because it seems like at the very least, the first and second films are out of print and not licensed by Crunchyroll anymore. Oh. So it, it does give me hope that maybe they will rescue them so that all of the Neon Genesis Evangelion franchise can be under one one happy roof and we don't have to deal with them being spread out amongst other companies. If G-Kids does, in fact, get the whole quadrilogy, mm-hmm. if they'll do kind of what they did with the original series and sort of include all of the different dubs sort of all together 
with like the new ones being the quote-unquote official ones and the old ones being like bonus features or what have you because when amazon got the rights to the fourth film they also got the previous three and they redubbed all of them with the Um, original um with the original adv slash original funimation cast so it will be interesting to see what g kids does with that because uh, the dubs are different but they're not that different because like spike spencer tiffany grant and uh, allison ship are all like the three the three leads um cool yeah it's cool it's cool (laughs) so it'll just be it'll be interesting to observe so looking forward to it uh so that's about it for like news news that we wanted to cover but (laughs) but we do have a new season on the horizon summer 2022 is already here so is there anything coming up soon sarah that you are excited about um yeah i have like three things that are pretty high on my list of i'm definitely going to try to watch this as it's coming out devil is a part-timer two is coming out god knows how many years since the first one came out right and the tokyo mew mew remake tokyo mew mew new Say that five times. I fast. love that title. Yeah. I love that title. Yeah. Let the record show. <laughs> uh, that's coming out this summer too. And it looks really cute so far. Hopefully it's good. Uh, there's another one called Call of the Night that looks interesting, but might not be my cup of tea. It's like teenage vampire stuff, but the art style for it's mm. really cool. I like Twilight. Um, that's cool. Yeah, but uh, there's lots of sequels and stuff this summer, I've noticed. And some mm-hmm. of the sequels are for things I haven't watched yet. So I'm like, uh, do I watch all of Made in Abyss so I can watch the second season? Mm. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Is there anything you're looking forward to, Austin? Uh, yeah, a few things. There's going to be the cyberpunk anime that's coming out, Ooh. which I'm shocked was still actually coming. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's done by Studio Trigger, and mm. I I personally am not particularly interested in the cyberpunk video game, mm. but the trailer has me very very curious, and maybe it'll be like an Arcane situation where like I don't really care for League of Legends, but I thought Arcane was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and I still need to finish that. I only ever watched the first episode, but that's <gasps> beside the point. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I'll give that one a shot. It, it looks, it has a very promarish sort of look to it, uh, like like promare meets brand new animal kind of feel. Oh, sick. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And but that's going to be in Netflix jail, so we won't see that one for a bit. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, you never know. Also, Netflix has been releasing some stuff weekly. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know what determines what's weekly and what's end of season nowadays, but. <laughs> Very good point. The only reason I say that it'll probably be in Netflix jails because they specifically have September 2022 on the poster. Oh. So I'm guessing it's going to be one of those. We dump it all at once mm-hmm. rather than something like Comey Can't Communicate, which they did weekly. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but again, I guess to your point, there's no telling how they actually decide. <laughs> how they, like, they just throw a dart. Like, yeah, exactly. It seems like a like a total dice roll because like JoJo's Part Six is not weekly, but it's also not all at once. It's like in in thirteen episode chunks, oh. which are technically not entire seasons. They're like cores. Yeah, like quarter seasons. I don't wow. know. It it 
it's all it's all magic to me there's also drifting home which i think is another uh, it's an it's a movie by studio colorido the people behind um penguin highway which was a movie oh. i thought was pretty cool pretty mm-hmm, neat mm-hmm. and uh that's a movie coming to netflix so it probably will also be in netflix jail for a while Ah, I gotta stop being into things that are on Netflix jail. Anyway, you gotta get them out of there. I know, gotta break them out. Yeah, gotta uh, just make a prison break and use space idol songs as a diversion. I mean, what? Don't worry about it. Mm. Don't worry about it. Well, you would be the expert to consult if I ever decided to do that. So I'll it's keep true. that in mind. And then another thing I'm interested in, of course, is another Science Saru project called Yure Deco, which I have no idea what it's about. The poster makes it look very funky and very weird. And it's a Science Saru thing, so I know it'll at least be interesting. And I think that's about it for me in Mm -hmm. terms of what's coming up the next season. But again, there's always going to be, well... Not always, but most of the time, there's always like a secret Ya Boy Kong Ming type show that just comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Two or three weeks into the season, it's like, oh, oh, maybe I'll check that out. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And I I always wonder which show is that going to be Mm -hmm. whenever I look at a list of of shows that are coming up, because there's always at least one. Yeah. Oh, and apparently the laid back camp movie is coming out next season. So that that'll that'll be neat. But no idea on exactly how that's going to be released. It would be cool if they put that in theaters, but I just I I'm not confident that it's popular enough to uh to merit that investment from Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We shall see. I don't know about The Devil's a Part-Timer 2 because uh, I mean it's been so long. I, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I feel like the cynic in me says, well, the people that really loved season 1 because the half-life of anime fans is so short. They probably don't even watch anime anymore. They're not like you and me, which we <laughs> stick I don't around. know. I mean, anime leave. is so mainstream now. Maybe maybe they just kind of stuck with it. Who knows? Uh, perhaps, perhaps. Maybe maybe I'm being a little bit too unfair. Although I will say uh, like I'm pretty sure, I don't know this off the top of my head, but it does seem like it's a very different team working on it, like the character designs and the style of it is kind of different from the first season even so Mm. it's also just like a lot of people who worked on it aren't in the industry let alone the fans who watched the first season compared to the people excited for the second season i'm just in all honesty shocked that we're that we're even getting it because it's been it's been a 10 years maybe next will be or on high school host club season two Oh yeah, it, something crazy like that. Yeah. You know these these uh these uh total like uh impossible Moby Dick type, you know, white yeah. whales of anime. Yeah. Um, exactly. I mean, we are I mean, this is not a news piece that I uh brought up because it's not really something I'm super familiar with, so I didn't want to talk about it, but oh. Trigun is getting a reboot, which is interesting. So I mean, hmm. if that if that can happen, then <laughs> maybe anything. Don't... <laughs> Maybe anything. Never don't, give up don't on your lose dreams. Hope. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe Oran High School Host Club season two could actually happen, but I would not hold I your breath yeah. because you, <laughs> you might die. All right, so we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna be talking about Macross Frontier movie one, The False Songstress.
Okay, welcome back to my new favorite episode of Third Impact Anime, where we talk about the Macross Frontier movies. Uh, we're starting off yeah. with The False Songstress. Uh, it was originally released in November of 2009, and it's been officially described along with the second movie as an alternate theatrical retelling. So there's some stuff that's similar to the original show, and then there's some stuff that's its own special twist. Um, I'm I've gonna... heard it compared to mm-hmm. the Evangelion Rebuild films. Do you think that's accurate? Um, Almost. I feel like it's... I can't remember. It's been so long since I've seen the rebuild films, but yeah, like it's got a lot of the core scenes are there, but the main story points almost are like so different. Some things develop the same way and some things take a huge left turn and you're like, what is happening next? I do not know. (laughs) So I guess, yeah, in a certain way, kind of. I will also say the difference in production value between the show and the movies is accurate in comparison mm. to the rebuild movies although the original Evangelion show to, is very good too i guess but. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to talk about the production values because i'm probably going to make you mad oh no takes no that is fine okay just remember it's from 2009 just re- <laughs> um but yeah no, no forgiveness okay Continue. all right okay that's fine tear it apart i can take it i can take the hit i'll live <laughs> But yeah, before we really get into our opinions and like the stuff we want to talk about, uh, we can go over real quick just a couple people that were important to the production that perhaps you as a listener have heard of before. And uh, we'll go over the three main uh, voice actors for the show. And we're just going to kind of go back and forth. So I'm going to start with the director is uh, Yasuhito Kikuchi. He was also the series director. And since then, he's worked on Infinite Stratos, and he also recently has done about 27 episodes as an episode director of That Time I Got Reincarnated as a Slime. He's also been key animator on episodes of, you know, certain other series here and there uh, throughout the years since these movies in 2009 and 2011. So um, maybe he's worked on a thing you like. Who knows? How much is Shoji Kawamori involved with with Macross Frontier because I know Macross is like his big like this is like his big life's work kind of thing throughout the whole series he does the mecha design at least for everything oh wait creator supervising director story composition mechanical designer yep okay probably not only the mechs in the show but also like Frontier itself but yeah even story composition he apparently had a hand in so that's interesting Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like, from what I know, he kind of is like a, this sort of general like franchise director, yeah. and will kind of push his other directors kind of in the in the direction of his creative vision, um, instead of like maybe not specifically directing individual things all the mm-hmm. time. Yeah, and I feel like Mr. Ideas Man. Yeah, I feel like that's good because I mean I've only seen a few of the Macross franchise series. But I will say that it does seem to have, even though each one is its own little story with its own little worlds, there is this thread that connects them all together so well. And something tells me he probably has a lot to do with that, of like keeping everything connected in a way. The puppet master. Yeah. The Kevin Feige of Macross. That's that's one way to put it, I guess. <laughs> So as for the music, which of course is one of the 
things that sets Macross apart from mm-hmm. most other franchises is really its biggest sort of calling card is the fact that it is so much about music. Mm-hmm. And I know, Sarah, you could probably speak more to that. But the general composer for this film is none other than living legend Yoko Kano, who is, of course, the uh, creative genius behind soundtracks such as Cowboy Bebop, Escaflone, etc., and the previous Macross Plus, which I have which we mentioned earlier. She also did came back to do the music for the Macross Frontier short film that just released in November 2021, along with the Delta second movie for Macross Delta. Basically, if the Macross films continue to be released in the US and we eventually get the Delta films, chances are with the second Delta film, we'll also get that Macross short film. Hopefully, maybe. We'll find out. <laughs> Yeah, that would be neat. Um, I know that at least in Macross Plus and in this one, they included brief little content to go along with the movie. Mm -hmm. Like for this one, it was the voice of uh, Cheryl Gnome, I believe. What's her name? Uh, Aya Endo. Aya Endo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she uh, did like a little introduction, basically like thanking everybody for the movie. Or excuse me, for coming to the movie. Not thanking us for the movie. We didn't make that. And then for Macross Plus, they did, they had two. They had one that's like, here is the history of Macross from the beginning to, you know, today. And then they had a little short interview with Shoji Kawamori talking about, I don't know, planes or something. Oh, cool. Uh, so hopefully, if the Delta movies ever do come out here, mm-hmm. and it seems like I have to imagine they probably will, because like At we got Plus, yeah. we're getting Frontier. I feel like this, I mean, I don't know how many macross movies there are in their backlog but like i gotta feel like delta's on the way like 2023 come on it's gotta be it's got they gotta show up you know yeah you Um, gotta keep it rolling (laughs) so yeah i mean including that short that would be super cool yeah well we'll find out i mean who knows uh i will can i go ahead and ask this seems like the best place to ask this like what were ticket sales like in your area uh, in my area, like what was which your is, theater? Uh, like, how full was uh, it? Well, for those that are not aware, I live in the uh, Piedmont of North Carolina, so it's like you know, it's got some big cities, but it's it's mostly it's no it's no New York City or mm-hmm. Chicago or whatever. But anyway, uh, the theater I was in had maybe like twelve people, mm-hmm. maybe a few. Yeah. Maybe a few less. But then like the the theater in the in the bigger city next to me actually had less pre order ticket sales than the one that I went to. That's so which weird. I thought was fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> now, then again, that's all like pre order tickets, like because mm-hmm. you can go online and like reserve your seat and see which things are already taken. Mm-hmm. And I did that like two days before I went to go see the movie. So that might have changed. There might have been a lot of people that just showed up the day of, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, in all honesty, kind of what I do most of the time whenever it comes to anime movies. Because unless it was was the Demon Slayer movie that I knew was going to be packed, I never never really worry about it selling out. So uh, maybe I should, uh, hopefully. I would like to have to worry about that because that means people are going to see them. Yeah. so, yeah, but what about you? I know you live in a much bigger city now. Yeah, I'm in, I'm out in Texas in San Antonio. Uh, there Yeehaw. were a lot of theaters that were uh, in the city that were doing it because it's just through, like, Regal Theaters, I guess, around here. And, right. And um, 
I mean, but the weird thing is, is that looking at it, like each one was only sell, only had about, again, probably like 15-ish, maybe 20 seats sold out of the whole theater. Mm-hmm. So it's like if they actually had less theaters showing it, maybe it, they would have like had more packed theaters and it would have been maybe a better experience. I don't know how you feel about theater experiences, but I feel like with stuff like this, especially when it's a limited event, it's more fun when it's like a lot of people there (laughs) but yeah yeah so i was like oh okay (laughs) it was funny like i went with another friend of mine who's like super into macross but not into frontier at all Mm. like not because he doesn't like it but because he just doesn't know anything about it. yeah he's just never had the opportunity to like watch it yeah exactly Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was it was funny like we both got up and then a guy in the in the row in front of us looked back at us and said so see you in two weeks (laughs) <laughs> and I thought that, that was will quite funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I guess he will. I'll be there. Yay. From there, I guess let's just get into the lead voice actors for the series. Our main man, Alto Saotome. Uh, he's voiced by Yuichi Nakamura, whose first role, from what I can find, this might be incorrect, was uh, do you remember Yu Gi Oh? Do you remember the dinosaur kid from Yu Gi Oh? Of course I remember Yu-Gi-Oh, but I didn't actually watch it, so I have ah. no idea what you're talking about. What about Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged? Okay. Oh, well, Yu-Gi-Oh! Abridged, yes, of Yeah, course. okay, well, early on in Yu-Gi-Oh!, there's, like, the bug kid and the dinosaur kid, right? Like, I think his mm. name is literally Rex in the dub. Are these, that like, was... chimeric monstrosities? I Maybe? But, like, no, no. <laughs> they just use decks that are dinosaurs, please. Oh, okay. Austin. But uh, yeah, the dino guy, that was his first role, which is so wild to me. And since then, he's just been resident hot man. He's been Gojo and Jujutsu Kaisen, Hawks in My Hero Academia, Ikuto and Shugo Kara, which is the cat boy, uh, Greed in Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, Grey, the shirtless one in Fairy Tale, Thancred in Final Fantasy XIV. I can't pronounce that name from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wind. Listen. Bucciarati. Bucciarati, okay. Bucciarati, okay, thank are you, you. Are you illiterate of the Italian language? Absolutely not. Italian and French are like my worst enemy. <laughs> Excellent. It shows. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, and uh, he's just been a lot of smooth voice hot guys, and Alto is no different. He is a smooth voice hot guy. Here we are. You know, whenever I first saw him in the movie... Mm-hmm. Uh, because he doesn't really, well, he's kind of on the poster, but like when you look at the poster and some of the posters, they don't even have him on there at all. But anyway, point being, <laughs> I was just like, who put Yuri Lowell from Tales of Vesperia in yeah! this movie? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, <laughs> he's, he's got that look. He's got um, the vibe. He's got the long hair, girly, yeah. but manly vibe. Yeah. Exactly. So our second uh, main character is, of course, the first of our two female leads, and that's Ronka Lee, a character very important to Sarah, uh, considering you've cosplayed her, well, I don't know, like twice, three times? I don't know. Two different um, outfits, probably on like four or five different occasions, yeah. <laughs> excellent. Incredible. Uh, she is voiced by Megumi Nakajima, who is Lyra <laughs> in Fairy Tale. She is Cure Lovely in Happiness Charge Precure. She is Turi in Ascendance of a Bookworm, which is a series I started watching recently, and I completely blew through the first season in an extremely quick clip because it's a very very easy chill show to sort of put on in the background so that's my plug 
Watch nice. Ascendants of a Bookworm. It's a good show. Uh, anyway, she also voices uh, Princess Charlotte in Violet Evergarden. Uh, she provided the voice for the vocaloid Gumi, which is pretty cool. And mm-hmm. Gumi kind of looks like Ronka, so I don't know if that's a coincidence or yeah, not. Yeah, I think that was 100% on purpose. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Which one came first? Uh, definitely, I think Ronka. I want to say Ronka. Mm. Oh, no. Maybe not. Well, anyway, the, <laughs> yeah. the people at home, they can look it up. Yeah. Uh, and she returned to singing in 2017 with an ending song for Fuka and the ending for Recovery of an MMO Junkie. So she is still active and singing. Yep. She's still kicking around every once in a while, for sure. And lastly, we have the final corner of our little love triangle, and that is Cheryl Nome. Uh, She actually has different um, voices between her speaking voice and her singing voice. Her speaking voice is Aya Endo. Uh, She's Miyuki, which is, you know, pink hair glasses from Lucky Star. Lise Mm. in Final Fantasy XIV. Shoko Iyeri from Jujutsu Kaisen, which that's the doctor chick. Uh, And Ketelia from Violet Evergarden. Uh, She's done a lot. If you look up, like, her roster, she's done just a lot of, like, mom or like one-chan kind of characters over the years uh she's going pretty strong <laughs> yeah she has a more like uh i don't know what you would call it like a deeper more like sultry voice yeah i think yeah like just like a more mature voice um yeah, yeah. and yeah even just recently she was cast as yelan in genshin impact the japanese voice of course and her singing voice is main that's m Y-A apostrophe N, but pronounced Maine. And uh, Maine has since then, which Maine was only 17 whenever Macross Frontier, the series, came out and she was cast in that role. Which is insane to me. Was Um, she a known quantity as a singer, even at 17? Or was um, this kind of her big break? I think she had definitely done a couple other things before, but she does, she has said in the past that she credits Yoko Kano with like, kicking off her career and like really helping mm. her with landing the role from across and like getting just helping her learn her style and how to sing with macross too i think that's um, great yeah and uh since doing queen, macross queen Frontier, behavior so true they're both queens and they mm. deserve all the praise <laughs> um since Across Frontier, she's sang openings for Excel World, Blood Lad, Arya the Scarlet, Ammo, and one of the openings from Ancient Magus Bride. Uh, she's also released some standalone albums and produced works with artists like Lisa over the years. Uh, you so, like Lisa yeah. in this house? Yeah, we stand Lisa for sure in this mm. house. Quite, a, quite a, quite a group of talented folks here as our as our three main leads. Uh, yeah, knocked certainly it out a lot of, the park of uh, and kept going. Honestly, yep. <laughs> Certain a lot of certainly a lot of talented singing folks, which is very important, especially for our two female leads. Mm-hmm. Our dude, he doesn't get to sing. I don't know what's up with that, but uh, <laughs> why <you know>. not? <laughs> yeah, why not? What did, did they not do like an album of just him like covering? I don't know the the latest no. Cheryl Nome <laughs> tunes, like just kind of poorly in like no. like like a like a deep man voice that's just like slightly off key. That would be cool. And that's what Macross Seven is for is for the dude singing. <laughs> oh, okay. And like eating a leaf out of the air. Hell yeah. I know that's, that's, that's where that meme is from. Yeah. Correct. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
three people, do you have any prevailing thoughts of these three main people and their love triangle happening? Hmm. Well, you know, I kind of... I kind of want to put a pin in that because I, I need I need to know your backstory, Sarah. I need to know sort of how I I got I got to know I got I got to know okay, the info. Okay. 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 So Macross, yes. especially during the time that Frontier came out, uh-huh. was uh, extraordinarily inaccessible as a franchise. I mean, <laughs> yeah. still still fairly inaccessible uh-huh. nowadays even you know with mm-hmm. all this time that's that's passed i mean everybody makes a big deal out of these movies coming in theaters for a good reason because it has traditionally been quite un- inaccessible with the exception of uh, robotech and uh, macross plus but you know we won't get into that uh so how in this world did you come to enjoy this franchise so much because i know you've been a big fan of it for quite a while yeah, I mean, I feel like I didn't get into the series until a couple of years after it aired, right? Um, I feel like I probably got into it because I was into Vocaloid stuff and stuff like uh, Ronka's song, Seigon Higuo, and um, a couple other Macross songs, Lion, the second opening, mm. very iconic. Uh, some of those were like very, very popular online at the time, too. Mm-hmm. So I think I found the songs first and then I was like, well, I got to find this anime. This looks so cool. And then I just kind of dug around, you know, the random fan sub websites until I found what I was looking for and probably watched it in like 240p or something, maybe 360 you, if I was lucky. <laughs> you waded um, into the muck, the, yeah. the muck of muck, muck Ross. Yes. But yeah, and I really liked it, and I still like it, and here we are. And I literally teared up when I went into the theater and I saw Macross Frontier, the logo in English on a theatrical screen. <laughs> no joke. I mean, it is pretty wild when you when you think about something that is ostensibly very underground here, sort of getting a prestige theatrical release uh, after you know, over a decade of sort of languishing and not in uh, licensing uh, bad, not no, no licensing is the word I was looking for. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Licensing bad, as we say in the industry. (laughs) Exactly. As opposed to licensing good, which is, uh, you know, when, when you, when you are in print and you do, you are on streaming. But no, that that's very cool, and that does make sense because uh, I was talking with my with my friend who I went to go see it with, and he was just like, "Yeah, I've definitely heard some of these songs from the movie right. just through osmosis, through just like general anime culture, like mm-hmm. either back in the day with like Vocaloid YouTube or mm-hmm. you know just." being at conventions and hearing the songs and you know they be- they become iconic just because they get covered a lot like uh they get you know referenced and uh this sort of seeps into the into our uh groundwater if you will so um, yeah yeah for sure. i've definitely heard the opening for macross frontier like many times over the years i just had no idea that that's what it was yeah so i guess to go back to your original question uh what was it you asked me about about our our love triangle right? yeah basically about the three main characters like what are mm. the vibes you're getting from them what are your thoughts mm. so far mm, what are what are the vibes so the vibes. you know we've got this you know we've got this futuristic world we've mm-hmm. got our main character who works for the military and I guess he goes to school because he wears a school uniform but I never see him in class so does <laughs> yeah. he like 
does he like just have to take pilot classes like i don't know does he go to does he go to japanese literature class i don't know like they're in space san francisco <laughs> so maybe they don't study japanese i yeah, don't know it's space san francisco dude yeah exactly. san Fra- yeah the original the og <laughs> literally san francisco yeah they got mario and they got uh the golden gate bridge all in one <laughs> they do they have the house from full house is there yeah uh, it's it's very <laughs> odd uh, i'm not joking that's not a joke <laughs> i know uh, the the painted ladies are there. The Golden Gate Bridge is literally there. They 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 like drive across it or something. It's in the yeah, background. I don't they know. ride a they ride a cute little rail car across it. Right, that's true. But yeah, back back to that point. So that that's our main our main dude. He's he's a bit of a uh, he's a bit of an anime protagonist, yeah. if you will. He's mm-hmm. a bit of a uh, uh, how do I put it? He he's a little. I gotta say he's a little he's a little bland, but. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that there are some things about him that make him a little bit more unique, especially like talking about his background being like in theatrical performance, Mm -hmm. which I think ties him back to sort of our two main female characters who like their whole thing is like um, like performance art in one way or another, like with with Cheryl Gnome being like this sort of intergalactic mega pop star mm-hmm. and uh Ronka sort of wanting wanting to be that wanting to be famous and having this sort of uh unexplored talent that she gets uh, scouted for later on um so I think that's interesting it 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 makes him have more sort of intrinsically in common with our two um main ladies which I think is interesting he's not just like He's not just like an audience self-insert, like you project yourself onto this guy. Like he does mm-hmm. have distinguishing characteristics, which I think is pretty cool. So I like him. He's a bit okay. Like he's a bit just fine in my in my <laughs> yeah. view. But I, th- I think there are things about him that make him interesting, that make him more than just kind of bland. Um, and I say bland mostly, mostly in like a personality sense because like he's a little, he's a little just kind of like standoffish i guess but he definitely mm-hmm. cares about people and uh, he's not a jerk which is nice so he he's he's fine he's all right mm-hmm. what what do you think about him i i kind of agree that he's a little bit bland especially in the beginning i will say one thing about the movies versus the show is that the show has a lot more time to it right so you get to see a lot more aspects of certain mm. characters and I feel like especially uh Alto's like backstory and his current like motivations and just general personality you get to see a lot more of that <laughs> whereas well, I gotta the... say I, I love the name Alto being the main character's name about a thing that is about singing so that, yeah. that's very funny the I love that good joke <laughs> Freaking, yeah <laughs> in the singing movie we have Alto yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah, he's also like, tall, which is uh, Alto is tall in Spanish. Oh, so really? I, yeah. So <laughs> never mind. I de- I, I'm, I'm just derailing now. Please continue. <laughs> but yeah, so I do feel like the movie kind of rushes a lot of things in that aspect for him. And maybe like, I don't know, but he still has such strong, relatable moments like when he's sharing that story with Ronka mm-hmm. about his past and about feeling like when is it a role and when is it like me? Like, I don't even know what's me anymore. I feel like Mm. that's such a powerful scene. And I don't remember if there's a one-to-one equivalent of that in the show at all. Mm. Um, Interesting. 
because that seems really important yeah it is it's pretty important Mm -hmm. i think they do other stuff to kind of show that struggle of his Mm -hmm. i think well i think you know you kind of mentioned it i mean if you said that that's not like a that's not also in the show maybe they Mm -hmm. decided to sort of insert a scene where he just kind of lays it out verbally just to kind of uh expedite the character the characterization process which Mm -hmm. makes a lot of sense yeah but yeah i mean i feel like by the end of the series and by the end of the second movie i do like where alto goes as a character a lot i think Mm. it's interesting it's interesting good to know yeah but what about our girlies what about ronka and cheryl uh uh i i like both of them they're mm. pretty neat uh, okay. i'll say they're they're pretty neat uh i i mean <laughs> i don't i don't like i don't like best girl fighting so i'm not going to that's uh, fair okay okay true i'm, I'm not i'm not going to i will gonna, not make gonna, you gonna, pick <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna dna i'm, I'm adopting a dna do not okay. engage all right that's uh, fair. <laughs> uh, approach but anyway anyway so i guess we'll start with ronka since she's the one that you know we kind of get largely introduced to first she mm-hmm. she kind of fills the role even though she's technically not to me she fills the role of the childhood friend type of archetype yeah even mm-hmm. though she's not which mm-hmm. is uh like an interesting uh, subversion of that she's kind of just this girl that uh that alto sort of gets to know over the last you know few years of being friends and you know she's conflicted because she has a uh, like a very muddy past that she can't remember, uh, but she has a very bubbly personality, very uh, very driven, very hardworking. Uh, so she, you know, she's pretty cool. She's pretty cool. I like Ronka. She's cool. Okay, 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 okay. I feel like I feel like both Ronka and Cheryl kind of have something about them that could very easily get very annoying. Ooh. But luckily they are a like they're they have enough aspects to them that they're not just like the tropey oh my god innocent girl versus like the tropey like the sexy older one kind of thing Mm. like i don't think they get too crazy with that yeah in the hands of less capable writers i think they would fall for those traps and just quite kind of make them into these uh make them into the archetypes that they're kind of playing off of rather than mm-hmm. playing into and i and i think that that works i mean it, it it's clear to me sort of why they are you know endearing and uh one of the things specifically that stands out to me with uh with ronka is uh the is probably my favorite sequence in the whole movie which is where you see her like after she does this sort of like um public song thing that she does like in a park or whatever and Mm -hmm. she gets uh she gets noticed by like a guy who you think is going to be a music producer but he's just like a like a commercial like manager guy yeah Yeah. and then you just get like four different commercial songs yeah, like you see her just doing all these odd jobs where she dresses up in ridiculous costumes and like sings corporate jingles, which I thought yep. was so funny. Yeah, it was uh, really good. Very good. Very, very endearing. I thought that was a lot of fun. There's only one like that in the series, and they're like, you know what we need more of in the movie? (laughs) 
Oh man, that is that is wild. I'm, I'm so I'm so glad that they that they made more because it really was fun. <laughs> Uh, you know, typically it was a nice towards montage. the end of yeah, yeah, it was. You know, typically towards the end of episodes, we talk about sort of our iconic scene. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm 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 gonna go ahead and lay mine out here right okay. now. Okay. It's 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 her singing about Nato, okay. and it really oh, no. stood out to me because Nato is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, uh, it is so nasty. I don't know how people eat it. Uh, no disrespect <laughs> to people who like it, but I've tried it, and it is it is foul foul food <laughs> barely even food anyway love that that the, the little corporate jingle makes natto sound like the most delicious thing ever mm-hmm. and i think that there's a quick cutaway of like a little kid eating it while she's singing and then he starts crying that was me oh whenever i tried natto <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah oh god i feel like mm-hmm. the natto is like the worst one you just feel so bad for her you're like dude <laughs> How did you get here? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. You might be wondering, how did I get here? Anyway, yeah. um, no, I, I think Ranka is interesting. She, uh, there's, there's a lot more than meets the eye with her. Whenever it comes to like her, her backstory, sort of where she came from, the fact that she's like living with a, uh, like a stepbrother figure who mm-hmm. is like her, basically like her suit, like her. Not really. I mean, kind of like it's like her assigned agent. It kind of feels like her military supervisor kind of guy. But yeah. you know, he seems he seems to try and want to sort like foster like a decent home life for her, and she seems mm-hmm. fairly well adjusted. You know, even in in contrast to her like really uh, difficult upbringing, which I'm excited to see more of because it's still kind of left to be a mystery. Yeah, you just kind of get like glimpses at it. Right. Um, right. Hmm. And probably likewise with Cheryl, but we don't really get a whole lot of hints towards sort of where she came from. I mean, we know yeah. she's got like the super sci-fi like earrings and stuff. And uh, yeah. I don't know if that's significant. It probably is to some sort of, you know, you know, back backstory context with, you know, whatever it is with this like foe that they're fighting, which don't want to derail from talking about Cheryl too much. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but. I... I I was pretty consistently confused as to who exactly they were fighting. Like, bugs. they were just the giant bug monsters? Yeah. It's just is, the bugs. <laughs> is that all that we're supposed to take away so well, far? So, yeah. So, so far in the first movie, the Vajra attack, and there are these giant bug alien things, and nobody really knows why, but they know that they have been attacking a lot of other, like, Frontier is just one of many fleets, right? Mm. And they've been attacking a lot of other, uh, like, colonies and fleets that have come from Earth slowly since they departed mm. Earth. They don't really know why the bugs are attacking they know that they're fairly simple-minded creatures, so they're like, okay, well, they have to be being controlled by, like, someone or something. So for a while in the first movie, it's like, oh, well, maybe they're being controlled by Galaxy to come after our resources, because the Galaxy fleet, which Cheryl Gnome is from, is very technologically advanced, but very resource deficient. Like, they don't mm. have a lot of natural resources, Kind of like America. Uh, no, hmm. but so... I was going to say yeah. kind of like Japan and all. Kind honesty. of like Japan. Part of the caveat in the first movie is like, why are these things attacking? We don't know. And at the end, okay. of, the mo- end of the movie, we still don't 
really know. There's like some hints to certain things, but like, who really knows? Uh, it's I definitely mean, it, not Galaxy though, because they definitely got their shit wrecked by Vajra too. Right. So. <laughs> and it seems like, I mean, I, I can't lie and say that that wasn't like kind of irritating watching mm-hmm. it, like mm-hmm. knowing that like, oh, there is no really clear antagonist here. Like they just feel, it just seems like they're just fighting nothing mm, uh, okay. except the big bugs and i'm just like okay like i'm not really <laughs> yeah. i'm not really invested in sort of the intergalactic warfare politics kind of angle for this which which i think is is uh, you know can be can be a pretty interesting angle even in mm-hmm. something that is ostensibly supposed to be more about interpersonal drama but uh like uh, there wasn't really much to chew on in that regard it was mm-hmm. like oh they're just fighting bugs neat okay whatever idle hijinks but you know, I I can I can put that criticism in my back pocket with the anticipation that the second film will expand on some of the things that I imagine are concealed intentionally. Mm, yes, perhaps, perhaps. But yeah, Cheryl, uh, she is also, you know, pretty cool. Uh, I like that she has a very, very good contrast to Ranka. Uh, She she definitely comes off as a diva, which I think Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like in a way, like I haven't finished this movie, but I've seen, I feel like I've seen enough of Do You Remember Love to get the vibes that they are trying to make Lin Min May kind of this like angelic perfect girl (laughs) yeah (laughs) whereas like cheryl is not that like she's kind of abrasive she's Mm -hmm. kind of not always perfect which i like yeah um so that that's cool she has things about her that are dislikable which i think is uh important uh in characters but not 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 that i think that like she's annoying or a bad character or whatever no, um, yeah, but, but it's like there's definitely aspects of her that are like, oh my god, <laughs> right? Like, like, like a diva, like I said. Yeah, so yeah. If we could tone that down a little bit, yeah. She comes off really strong to uh to uh, Alto, I believe. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but no, no, she's neat. Uh, she sings well. I love all of her her concert bits. She is definitely the center point of the film. Whenever it comes to like specifically the music and singing mm-hmm. and idol stuff in in the film because she is like the the main idol yeah yeah like, she's like the pop star right she's space britney spears basically <laughs> yeah pretty much pretty much so like she she's very her concerts are very flashy everybody is like obsessed with her uh, because you know she's the it girl she's she's right. the big posters the big, everywhere big gal on yeah. campus the difference between the way she acts in a professional setting and like versus privately with Alto is a mm-hmm. really good gap of like 
yeah, she's kind of a hard ass and like really stubborn, but then she can mm-hmm. also be just kind of like really immature and cute and like just running around a freaking field mm-hmm, having mm-hmm. a good time, you know? I like um, that on their like, uh, what was it like their, um, what are those things called? Uh, freaking uh, Segway? Their little space yeah, that. Segways? Little space Segways, yeah. That, yeah. Was, that was cute. Yeah. I, I kept thinking in that sequence, when are they going to hit the wall? Because I know that this is a space station. <laughs> it, it's definitely enclosed somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I feel like mm-hmm. uh, as a trio of main characters, Alto does kind of end up just kind of getting caught in the middle between... Ronka and Cheryl and like what they have going on really but mm-hmm. I feel like there's a good balance between the three of them because of that in a way and I know that part of the meme like the dunk or I don't even know if it's a dunk but like the the meme on Macross is that like it's all about love triangles but well, <laughs> it didn't it didn't seem like an unnatural love triangle mm-hmm. And even then, like, I don't know, like, there's definitely feelings involved here, but it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like, oh, these two girls and this guy are, like, all pining for each other and can't make a decision. Like, it doesn't feel like that, yeah. which is, I think, a, a good thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, the first opening for the series was literally called Triangular. So, like... <laughs> huh. Well, isn't there it's, a triangle, like, in the logo? Yeah. It's, like, it's the... It's a very big heavy-handed visual and general theme of the series is like a triangle between the three of them i guess mm, right, um right. but yeah i do think that like alto's relationship with ronka versus his relationship with cheryl are each of those relationships are just developed in a relatively i don't know if organic is the word i'm looking for but just like in a way where it's like yeah it makes sense that because of this thing, this thing, and this thing, he's getting closer with Ronka. And then because of this thing, this thing, and this thing, he's getting closer with Cheryl. And like both mm-hmm. of those things can be happening at the same time. And it's not like, oh, well, he already has an established relationship with Ronka. And then Cheryl just kind of swooped in. It doesn't really feel like that at all. Like it's not like Mm-mm. a shoujo manga where it's like the rival appears or anything completely out of pocket. No. Um, I mean, they kind of, I feel like they kind of like maybe, uh, push that button slightly but mm-hmm. not not as a crux to be like oh this is what we're doing it's yeah. like pointing it out to be like oh yeah we're kind of doing this but not really that yeah kind of, like we're playing off like. of this yeah. yeah right right and and also you know there there were there were some good scenes where Ronka and cheryl like together sort of had you know somewhat positive interactions sort of uh you know seeing seeing what each other in themselves and uh, seeing their similarities as opposed to their sort of antagonism so i i, I thought that was pretty neat I, I i hope that we can see more of that yeah. see those two characters sort oh, of bond for sure. together <laughs> get ready <laughs> okay great because um, that's yeah. <laughs> that's great i'm far more interested in uh, honestly in like the journey of uh well mostly like ronka specifically maybe cheryl mm-hmm. second and then alto third like if i had okay. to rank like which which characters i'm most interested in seeing like where they end up at the end of the show Mm -hmm. that's that's how i would rank it which is i think probably intentional if i had to imagine uh yeah i think so i think ronka definitely starts out with like she's at the lowest rung so she has the furthest to go almost versus Mm -hmm. cheryl she's already had a decent amount of success and stuff and then like alto's like 
he just kind of has this opportunity dropped into his lap, basically. Yeah, um, like his whole angle is like the more, like the the, well, never mind. I'm not. I'm not gonna yeah. say anything there. I I, okay. I completely lost my train of thought. And it probably wasn't a good one anyway. It ran away. It ran away. Well, I mean, I feel like we talked a lot about different bits of the story in that, but like, what are you thinking in general about the story so far in this first movie? Does it seem so, like wild as fuck or what? <laughs> uh, actually, not really. Like, if I, if I had to be completely honest, mm-hmm. I don't, I think I expected, I mean, we're, we're always slaves to expectations. So ah. using expectations as uh, sort of metrics to determine quality is always mm-hmm. sort of an exercise in uh, fallaciousness. But anyway, uh, that <laughs> being said, okay, I kind right. of, ex- yeah, you heard me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I feel like I expected it to be a lot more unpredictable than it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to say that I uh, didn't, that I'm not digging the story, but like more, I, I, I feel like nothing about it really like, in terms of a narrative, really wowed me or surprised okay. me mm-hmm. in much of any sense mm-hmm. because it felt like this whole first film was really just set up and getting us interested and invested in the world, the characters, and the general yep. mystery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But as opposed to something like, I don't know, I'll just compare it to the Evangelion rebuilds. Oh, like this yeah. movie felt more like Rebuild 1. Yes. Uh, as opposed to rebuild two, mm-hmm. um, where it feels like they're just like they're easing us into this. They're like getting us established. This is what's going on. These are the general beats. These are our characters. These are their problems. You know, here's some cool songs. Here's some battles. We'll see you next time. That's kind of what it felt like to me. And maybe I expected a little bit more from that. Mm-hmm. So I. <laughs> and maybe maybe this is a bad omen, but I have a lot of expectations riding on the second film to uh, really give me my my money's worth, you know, if in in a narrative sense, if you know yeah. what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I kind of expect. I don't know why, but I just expected it to be like a little bit more interesting. That sounds yeah. like I'm really knocking on it. I'm I'm not, but I did expect it to be like it's, a little bit more. Yeah, interesting. it's definitely pretty slow. Which is weird because it's like an hour and a half long movie that they're adapting from a 24 episode series. So you expect it to like be hitting a lot faster than it does, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's always the gosh darn weird thing about compilation movies is Mm -hmm. that they simultaneously feel too long and not long enough because like uh, you feel like there are so many different angles that they could mm-hmm. explore that mm-hmm. you know that they probably do explore in the TV version. Like, for example, I don't ha- I don't really know much of anything about, like, that purple-haired girl that's hanging out. Like, what's her deal? Uh, she's, like, barely in it. Like, what's the deal with our evil office lady? Uh, what's <laughs> yeah. the deal with our, like... Uh, um, I guess like our half Zindrati like blonde haired glasses guy like he's in it but not yeah. that much like yeah. what's the deal with Ronka's like stepbrother like what mm-hmm. what's all the, like like can can we talk about what the heck Zindrati are like am I supposed to just can know we slow that? down and just yeah like yeah that's fair because like I. I mean, I, again, I haven't watched or consumed that much Macross, but I generally know who the Zendrati are and like they're gen- like generally where they came from. But like, mm-hmm. 
I don't know, you see these shots of these like giants in town. Yeah. And I feel like if you didn't know what you were looking at, you would be like, was what that an animation error? Yeah, like wait. Or like freaking Clon Clon, how she goes from being just like tiny teenage girl to being like giant lady and giant mech, and you're just like, What's what? Yeah, like wasn't what? she small? Huh? What happened? <laughs> yeah, like yeah. stuff like that that gives you whiplash that you know that you can like infer mm-hmm. that would not be the case in the TV series version. It's stuff like that that's always right. difficult whenever it comes to compilation stuff. Because Yeah, just diving straight into the movie, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. That's valid. talk about this but i feel like like the movie versus the show right Mm. okay i feel like i can speak to this relatively well because i did just watch the show with my girlfriend because she hadn't seen it yet and i'm like no you're living you're gonna be living with me next year you're Mm. gonna have to watch macross frontier um it's (laughs) one of those movies uh and shows and so i did just watch it in like october november ish of this past year so i feel like i can say with decent confidence that the movie is so different (laughs) from the first half of the show, they really lay heavy into the Cheryl No might be a fucking spy aspect of it. Whereas it's like, maybe like a couple episodes of the show. It's like one of the main premises of this movie is like, is she a spy? And like, even we as the audience don't have that dramatic irony of like knowing that she is like, what's happening? Uh, mm-hmm. blah 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 so I feel like there's a little bit of extra spice there at least a lot of certain scenes and certain lines that are very iconic to the series made it into the movie um, but sometimes they have a very different context and some of them are really dumb like Ronka when she delivers the dumplings and they look like boobies oh my god that's mm-hmm. from the show wow and shit like that but I do feel like ultimately Especially after everything that you've just said of like, it is kind of slightly disorienting to get into and be like, oh, well, I wish I knew more about that thing. But I guess I'm just not going to in the course of this movie right now. Right. Um, Just sort of accepting the sort of the nihilism of like, well, I guess they're just not going to explain that. No, just they explained it (laughs) for two sentences. And I guess that's good enough for now. Let's keep going. (laughs) Yeah, Let's specifically not tell you what a Macross is. No, they don't need to know that. They're watching Macross (laughs) Frontier. They already know that by now. They've seen the eight other series. What are you talking about? I guess that is the expectation, right? I mean, I am saying I this know. as an American fan in 2022 that has virtually no experience with the franchise versus something that was knowingly made for a Japanese audience that's probably been following this thing for a long time. So, you know. Yeah, but I mean, I do, I think just based on that, I feel like personally, I would recommend people see, I don't know though, because in the show is also, it starts off, 
so slowly. Like, mm-hmm. the point where stuff hap- starts happening in the movie is probably, like, 10 episodes into the show. <laughs> mm. So it's, like, it's hard to recommend people start with the show because especially given the differences between the show and the movies, I'm, like... Really, you could start with either one, and if you watch the movies and you like it, you're probably going to like the show, and if you watch the show and you like it, you're going to like the movies and it's going to have something different. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I feel like that's probably what I have to say about that aspect of things, mm-hmm. ultimately. Well, not to keep going back to it, but I mean, yeah. I, if 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 I were trying to recommend Evangelion as a concept to mm-hmm. someone for mm-hmm. the first time... I might would tell them, hey, watch the first Rebuild movie and then see if you're into it. And then if you're into it and you like what you see, go back and watch the 1995 TV series and go through it in release order that way, the proper way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe this is somewhat analogous. I don't know. I'd have to re- yeah. I'd have to like actually watch it. But it, it sounds like from what you're saying, like. If you if you generally get good vibes from Macross Frontier in mm-hmm. however way you watch it, those good vibes are probably going to continue no matter how you watch it. Yeah. I feel like, yes, that sums it up pretty perfectly. Um, okay. But, I mean, yeah. And the second movie, uh, like, this isn't a spoiler because you haven't watched the show either, so it doesn't matter. But the second movie uh, veers even more than the first one in terms of just like i don't even remember if there's anything in the second movie that is one-to-one the same maybe there's like some fights that are the same as Mm. the series but the context of everything is a little it's very different um okay and we're definitely going to be talking about that oh yeah but i'm just saying like um whereas i feel like the rebuilds like if you i don't even remember which is which but like if you watch the rebuild movie that has Kalru in it without watching the original series and understanding like the depth of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shinji and Kalru's relationship, friendship, whatever you would like mm-hmm. to call it. Like it doesn't hit as hard, you know, whereas no. I think in the second movie, hopefully we'll find out it builds shit up in a very different way from the show to where it still like smacks you the same way. Mm-hmm. I feel and like. I guess, I guess as somebody that is a fan of Macross Frontier that started Mm -hmm. with the TV series, do -hmm. you appreciate or are you annoyed by the fact that they took many creative liberties in their film adaptations? I love it because I hate when a film is a one-to-one just compilation film because it's like... Fair enough. Yeah. mm -hmm. I also love it because honestly, like the, the concert scenes alone in these movies are so good and they're... Completely new songs for the movies, too. But, um, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I think, and, and that's another big indicator that the second movie is so different. In the first movie, it's like a 60-40 split between original music for the movie and like music from the show. Whereas in the second movie, it's I can only think of one or two songs that are in the second movie that are in like the original show. So, What is D-culture? Is it just music? D-culture is... Oh, I don't, I used to have a perfect summary to describe it, but there's like protoculture, which was created by people, no, tens of thousands of years ago, and it's kind of related to how certain people have certain um, fold wave special singing voice frequency shit. Midi-chlorians. 
and day culture is I can't remember if it's related to protoculture or if it's anti-protoculture, but it's like in some way related to it in that it's like, hell yeah, good ass song. That's some day culture shit right there. Mm. Is basically how people would say it if they said it on Earth in 2022. I would, mm, mm. I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way that my friend described it is, he said like, "Oh, the Zendrati didn't like music, so they called it deculture. But then they like it now, so it's fine." Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought, oh, oh, listening to him say that, I'm just like, "Wow, you're really like ironing out like a lot of stuff right now in that very quick sentence." I imagine. I imagine yeah. there's a lot more to it than just that. There's but, always uh, a lot more. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, it's just one of those pieces of terminology that, you know, thankfully they don't mention it that much, but I'm just like, I don't know what that is. Like, like, what does that fucking mean? What? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. I mean, and it's, I I feel like it's from even far back into like the original Macross and then in Mm -hmm. Frontier and Delta, they use it a lot and they never fully like explain it. They're just like, oh, it's just, it just means it's cool. It's the force. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Something um, analogous. I don't know. But yeah, I. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's yep. that's what we got on that, dude. I don't know. Yep. Uh, do we want to move on and talk about like how we felt about the overall presentation and just general animation in the movie? Ooh, I mean, I don't <laughs> do want to get mean, into that. Nah, hit it. But like, I Go. don't know. I, I. It was so made in two thousand nine. <laughs> Yes, I know, I know, I know. Uh, okay, so two things. Two, okay. One, one yes. legitimate criticism and okay. one like formatting criticism. All right. So mm-hmm. I think this movie had the same problem that Macross Plus had oh. in whoever or whatever Fathom Events got as their like recording was just not on par, like just not a great format. Like I don't know about you in, I noticed in your that too. Yeah. theater experience. Mm-hmm. It looked fuzzy. It looked like it was like a 480. It looked like DVD quality to me, which yeah. I know. I know there's a Blu-ray know. release. Yeah, exactly. We both know. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that <laughs> there is a Blu-ray of these films out, and probably has been out forever. Yeah. So why why is it that we are being subjected to a theatrical sort of sub? par visual experience when you mm-hmm. want people to go out to the theater specifically for that um, really bothered me in Macross Plus because I've seen Blu-ray rips of that and it looks beautiful and um, I know it's not quite the same because you know older like 90s anime stuff that was animated on cells really does look excellent in like crisp clear like 4k high, mm-hmm. ultra HD that sort of mm-hmm. stuff Stuff made in the era of Macross Frontier, like mid-2000s, like you said, it looks better, but it's still, there's only so much you can do. Right. Um, okay, yeah. But but still, that being said, I thought it looked visually weak. Um, mm-hmm. In addition to that, my my other criticism is I, I, think, I think it looked kind of ugly, honestly. <gasps> It was, a, it was a little ugly, a little ugly. Um, yeah, I think I think the designs. It's a little designs, gooby baby. It's fine. Little, yeah, I mean, I think the designs were okay. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. did scream a bit aughts to me, but that's yeah. okay. I can forgive that, yeah. especially with Alto. Like he really does look like an aughts anime boy. Like he yes. really does. <laughs> yeah, I think. Ranka and Cheryl have a more timeless look about them mm-hmm. where you could show me these two designs and told, tell me that, you know, these came out in like 
2020 and i would believe you because they have that they have a more timeless look about them Mm -hmm. um but alto stands out like a sore thumb at least to me (laughs) Uh, it's it's the one piece of hair that's like in his bangs that throws right. me off. Hate that. It's so annoying. You're like, Cut that bangs, off, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> did your did your hairdresser just mess up? It's ridiculous. You just miss anyway. that one spot. <laughs> exactly. Um, and the animation. I'm not gonna pick on the CG. Not going to. Not okay. even gonna go there because that's not fair. But the other animation I thought also looked kind of poor. Mm. Like I just I just didn't really think it looked all that crisp all that good all that well done Mm -hmm. especially when i know that there are things like from around the same time period i don't know we're kind of comparing apples and oranges and things like that but like gurren lagan came out in 2007 (laughs) and that looks great it looks excellent the animation looks super good yeah and like this is mac like i feel like i don't know i feel like this is macross it should look better anyway i Mm. don't know that's that's my but you see it's Gainax versus Sage Light. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, isn't Shoji Kawamori, can't he, like, get anything made? Isn't he just, like, <laughs> doesn't he, like, just spin gold for for anime, you know, uh, uh, producers, and they'll, like, fund him to the moon and back, quite literally, because he likes stuff in space? I don't know. I'm, like, uh, I feel like a lot of sequences were well done, in certain parts mm-hmm. almost there were a lot of things with alto that looked like very nice to me like whenever he tries on cheryl's earring and then he like feels her emotions and shit that was so cool mm. that's um, fair and i feel like that was very interesting and again we keep going back to that one scene but i guess it was pretty iconic of like him on the um rail car with Ronka sharing mm-hmm. his feelings. I guess all the yes. feelings scene were just that's where they put the budget. That was a good scene, and there yeah. were some of the like the some of the musical numbers. They had pretty good animation to it. The yeah, like Universal Bunny with the whole clockwork thing was mm-hmm. really cool mm-hmm. for the time period. Pretty good CG, I would say. Um, yeah, yeah, not not bad. Yeah the 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 boat itself maybe could have been better, but a lot of the sequences towards the end with the whole boat concert were really cool. The show had moments that were like barely one, that were like episode three of Gurren Logan. <laughs> Not that bad, but like cheesy bad, like chunky, cheesy bad. So, like, mm. the movie in comparison is pretty good. That's fair. I guess it's all relative, right? Yeah. And I also do feel like the action sequences and the moments in that with CG, I think. I don't know. Sometimes they were so fucking fast, but they had a good momentum and speed and like weight to them with the CG mm-hmm. that I think a lot of other series at the time did not really have happening for them if they were in the transition from 2D to CG. It has a lot of good, shiny, great moments, but it is true that it can be pretty clunky sometimes overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe it's just a me thing where like yeah. the visual fidelity combined with the so-so animation mm-hmm. made me hate it more than if I were sitting down like watching it straight off of a Blu-ray on a really yeah. nice TV. 
Okay. Like I feel like maybe my criticisms would be a little bit less sharp if that were the case. Yeah. But visual fidelity is definitely something that bothers me, especially in a theatrical environment where yeah. theoretically, if you go to the theater, it should be the best looking thing you've ever seen. Right. Because that's what theaters are for. Like theaters mm-hmm. that have doo-doo screens are like the bane of my existence. Like oh. get, get out of here with that nonsense. Can I also say like the theater I happened to be watching it at had the sound so low in the beginning of the movie especially oh, no. during universal bunny i'm like no you gotta be fucking pumping that shit <laughs> that was another thing i'm so glad that you mentioned that because yeah. i felt our our mix in our theater was the very weird was, yeah i think they ended up turning it up about nice. like 10 15 minutes into like halfway through not halfway through like after she jumps off the ledge thing for her concert mm. anyway well, I don't want to. I don't want to get too too onto this. But one last thing yeah. about the theatrical experience: oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they didn't turn our lights off until like fuck? almost halfway through the film. What? The can lights in the theater were still on. Oh my god! It they was, just hit. They just terrible. hit play and walked away. They were like, "I'm not going to sit here for this." <laughs> Pr- pretty much. Oh my god! Pretty much. Oh, no. Pretty much. Well, and also, I think. The day that it came out was like the same weekend as. Uh, did you have this experience? The same weekend as like Jurassic World, <laughs> or yeah, Jurassic World is that mm-hmm. the new Jurassic Park movie? Uh, uh, Jurassic World uh, Annihilation. I don't know what it's called. Yeah, the new Jurassic care. Park movie. That's like quote unquote the final one for now. Jurassic so movie. There of, we go. Yeah, a lot of the people that were in like the lobby for our theater were there for that so it was kind of funny to watch like the families with kids with like tons of dinosaur shit it was cool um but yeah jurassic park frontier the false raptor what (laughs) yes my favorite my favorite part is when the raptor goes running down the stairs of the ship while singing obelisk for sure Mm, and then the other yeah, and the the pterodactyl got captured by the giant bug, and mm-hmm. the stegosaurus is flying after them for sure. Um, Thank you. Did we do the bit justice? <laughs> Can we? We move did. On? Okay. We nailed the bit. We're done now. Bits Great. over. Well, I keep talking about the like concert scenes. So, what do you mm-hmm. think about the music for this movie so far, or even just your past experience with music from Across Frontier? Like, what? What do you? You got any like thinky thoughts on that? Um, I mean, not really. Like, okay. I think it's it's very you know good, solid, serviceable J-pop. Uh, very yeah. good. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't like blow my mind, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's good stuff. You know, I added some of it to my anime playlist, especially nice. uh, Lion. Of course, that's a great right. one. Inescapable, and there were, truly. Yep, yep. There were a couple that I could not tell you the name of, but they're okay. uh. That, that I also enjoyed. And thankfully, mm-hmm. a lot of the Macross music is now on, you know, your Spotify. variety of uh, music streaming services, Apple whether it be music. Spotify, Apple Music, you know, YouTube Music, whatever it is that you yeah. use. A lot mm-hmm. of it's available now, so yeah. you can go listen to it. Including the new, there's a new um, 40th anniversary album that they released that has um, the singers from Macross Frontier covering Macross Delta music and vice versa. It's really cool and fun. That um, is very cool. I find that yes. very, very cool. After the movie, I went home and I ordered both of the limited editions. <laughs> Beautiful. As you do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel like, uh, as I said before, the movies have a lot of music that's not 
in the show, which I appreciate. Because, uh, mm-hmm. again, sometimes with things like this, they're like, oh, well, we got to make sure we keep the same exact music in the movie because that's what people like about the Idol show. So for the Idol movie, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like the concert sequences were really fucking cool. Especially in a theatrical environment. Yeah, if the sound was up properly from the beginning. (laughs) But yeah. (sighs) (laughs) So, I mean, overall pretty good. I mean, Yoko Kano smacks it out of the fucking park. Mm. I'm a sucker for any kind of poppy, synthy stuff with some strings mixed in there, Mm -hmm. just a Mm -hmm. little sprinkle here and there. And Mm -hmm. that's all up in here, along with, again, like four different uh jingles from ronka thank you ronka thank you ronka (laughs) thank you for your service brave soldier thank you for your daruma study guide jingle (laughs) so good but yeah i mean i mm, i want to say something about the songs from the series just kind of sticks more whereas a lot of the songs from the movies Maybe barring, I think Universal Bunny sounds like pretty modern and cool, and Obelisk is like a favorite. But a lot of them, like you can tell that they came out like 10 years ago. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah, that's the style of music that was popular 10 years ago, you know? Um, oh, yeah. I, I, like I was listening to, I, I mean, I couldn't tell you what the song what the song was, but I was mm-hmm. listening to one of the uh, Cheryl, Cheryl Gnome albums on, on mm-hmm. YouTube Music, and I was, one of them came up, and I'm just like, dang, this really does sound like they just took like a Radio Top 40 hit from like 2005 and just like remade it for Macross, which I'm not yeah. dissing on, but it just sounds, no. very, it sounds very of its time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Delta is probably also like that like now that it's a few years out from it at the time it was like so cool and so fresh and so like wow so electronic whoa and then compared to music now it's like um i mean i i guess that could be the music of 2062 probably not sounds more like the music of 2016 but okay (laughs) (laughs) well macross plus takes place in 2012 i think and of course it sounds like 90s music they weren't they weren't they weren't gonna know about Mumford and Sons. They just weren't. They just how could they possibly know? <laughs> how could you possibly have predicted Stomp Clap? I mean, you never could have. You know? It's not that Macross is a musical in like the theatrical sense, but it is interesting the way, especially in Frontier, that the music can kind of connects to and not emphasizes, but like runs under the battles and things like mm-hmm. that um and they it's kind of part flow of the together. texture right yeah it's like part of the texture of the world like music yeah. is music as a thing as like a f- medium of communication as like an art form and they kind of contextualize it as like it's kind of like a superpower kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, which i i find very interesting like that's a central conceit that it seems is throughout the whole franchise in a way yeah. Like yeah. the power of music to do good and bad, which is pretty neat. Yeah, it's definitely like music and war and love are probably the three biggest things of mm-hmm. Macross as a series. Right. And how all those right. kind of like clash with each other in a way mm-hmm. or help each other or whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we've uh, talked quite a lot about this film. Um, yeah, holy shit. But, we are uh, getting up We should there probably start wrapping it up uh, because yeah. we are going to be sticking this 
into our coverage of the next movie. So True. I don't want people to be sitting here for four hours, even though I hope that you would. Yeah. I completely. Okay, before we go though, before we go, I need predictions for the second movie. And they can be as realistic or as ridiculous as you want them to be. However, what give me like mm. one or two things that will definitely happen in the second movie that you go to see on June 30th. One or two things that are definitely going to happen. Yeah. Um uh so Ronka's little uh ferret slash squirrel creature is going uh-huh. to uh uh grow really big and start talking and okay. he's gonna be uh really mean and have like a really deep voice. Okay. And he's gonna be the villain. So that's definitely gonna happen. Okay. The second thing that is definitely going to happen is that Alto is going to realize that he put his uh put that earring into an ear that wasn't pierced already. <laughs> so he is going to get an infection and we're gonna yeah. spend like most of the movie like watching him like uh like drain his infected ear. Like that's gonna be like Put those are two things. On. <laughs> yeah, that's that those two things are definitely one hundred percent gonna be in the movie. Like Great. no doubt. Cool. Okay. Well, we'll come back in two weeks our time, a little bit mm-hmm. your time, and uh see whether or not those predictions were true, even though they probably definitely are. And yeah, we'll give a good old actual intro that time. So for now, to talk. Buddy, as Cheryl Nome would say, can you hear me, my lovely boys and girls? We are back with part two of this Macross Frontier movie extravaganza. Um, we were just going to dive into the Wings of Farewell, but uh, Anime Expo happened over the weekend, and it seems like Big West, the company that kind of owns and runs a lot of Macross franchises, had other plans, which is to just announce a ton of stuff. If you're not really up on Macross news, don't really know the whole deal of why these movies are coming out in theaters right now. Uh, Back in April of 2021, Big West, Studio Nue, and Harmony Gold USA announced their agreement to distribute most of Macross television sequels and films internationally. Before, all we'd really had was the original Macross, also known as Robotech in the US. So yeah, including any future Macross or Robotech projects, hopefully we'll be getting a, you know, simulcast in the U.S. similar to a lot of other modern anime. And that's super cool and exciting. This also marks um, a very important moment in our in the history of our podcast because this will be the first episode to have two news segments. Mm-hmm. 
because very true you know for the people listening at home it's just like well we just got finished with the first one where we talked about a couple of things and now you know big west at anime expo just decided to dump all of this onto us so we got to talk about that before we talk about the second macross movie yeah we can't just ignore it y'all gotta know exactly. what's going down with the macross stuff you gotta got you gotta get decultured that's am i using so that true. right true uh, uh, probably not. <laughs> but yeah, one could say it's a new frontier for our podcast. <laughs> it's a Macross joke, but also a Star Trek joke. Wow. Um, but yeah, so I mean, for starters, uh, the Macross Frontier series as well as the Macross Delta series are going to have um full series Blu-ray box set each. And those will be through Nozomi Entertainment. I'm so glad that that Nozomi is like ferrying Macross in a big way to <laughs> to the U.S. Because you know, if you remember, they did they did just this same thing a couple of years ago with Mobile Suit Gundam. Because you know, oh. back in the day, like Bandai Entertainment had like tried to get Gundam to click over here, and they had a few mm-hmm. some successes. Like Gundam Wing was really popular because it was on Toonami and a couple of other things. But like in terms of Universal Century stuff, it didn't really click. But now I feel mm-hmm. like you know with Nozomi having Gundam, it's so much more accessible. People are able to like watch the totality of the Universal Century like from beginning to end, and it's all accessible. So I, I have a feeling mm-hmm. that. Macross is in very good hands considering they were able to, you know, pull off a miracle with Gundam. And I, I think that, you know, considering their track record, that they will be able to do likewise with uh with Macross. Yeah, like it's pretty good signs that it'll work out. Maybe, hopefully. What else? Oh, Macross Plus anime will be released on Blu-ray through Anime Limited. I think it's the OVAs and the movie, but it might just be the like show OVA whatever stuff. I'm not sure. I don't I, remember. I really hope it's both. That would be really cool. Yeah. And like this is the one that yeah. I'm the most excited for because I really like Plus because, you know, mm-hmm. y'all know I'm a big Shinichiro Watanabe fan and this was like one of his directorial debuts. So um, this one will be very exciting. So, and also a really cool one because Anime Limited has released only a <coughs> limited amount of titles <laughs> in the United States so far because mm-hmm. they used to be like a UK, Europe only company, yeah. but now they're sort of slowly getting stuff out here. Mm-hmm. Animago also will be releasing the Super Dimension Fortress Macross 2 Lovers Again on Blu ray. I don't have much to say about that one. That's that's one of the ones I have that, not consumed in any way, shape, or form. I don't even know the characters in it. <laughs> I I don't either. My only impressions of Macross Two is that like, like that it, it's kind of divisive and mostly not liked, yeah. which is interesting. Apparently, but it kind of doesn't surprise me that like. Well, first of all, I think it's very well. Not that I'm really complaining, but uh-huh. I think that it's very weird mm-hmm. that all of these Macross titles are like being spread over like different companies. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know why. I don't really know what to make of that. I think it's interesting. But yeah. um, but in relation to Animego, like it kind of makes sense because they typically only do older classics mm-hmm. and they just recently did a release of the... Um, Megazone 23 collection, which was another series with character designs by Haruhiko Mikimoto, who did the character designs for Macross 2. So, I mean, mm. maybe that's 
Maybe that's part of it. It seems like something that would be in their wheelhouse, but it's also weird because for the last like five years, they've only released like one thing a year and it's always been a Kickstarter. So it's interesting. I, if this one's not a Kickstarter, that will be like the first thing in a while from them that was not a Kickstarter. Hmm. I wonder if they will do a Kickstarter. And then if it's not, if it's a pretty divisive title, will the Kickstarter be okay for it? Like, I, I think it will because okay. like, all all of the anime go kickstarter like they they've kind of taken on taken on an identity of their own like they all tend to do really well even mm-hmm. if they're not particularly popular titles most of their stuff that they've been releasing is like on the more like old school like obscure ish end mm-hmm. but a lot of it had been previously released in the US like back in the 90s or 2000s like they did otaku no video which is like a really big gainax like cult classic they did gunsmith cats they did um bubblegum crisis um again megazone two three so it feels like they just they they constantly succeed at whatever they do so i'm I'm not i'm not too worried about it yeah like it'll it'll probably work out the last thing that happened on i guess it was friday whenever this first round of announcements came out because it was the big west panel at anime expo um, was that Udon Entertainment confirmed that it will publish Hidetaka Tenjin's Artistry of Macross from Flashback 2012 to Macross Frontier book this October. It's very funny because I actually have Hidetaka Tenjin's autograph from Animazement like <gasps> a number of years ago. And I got what? him... I got him in like a like an autograph sweep where they had like a bunch of the Japanese oh. guests like sitting at a table all at once and i knew like one or two of them this was like five or six years ago and uh yeah <laughs> he did take attention speaks like fluent english so whenever he was yeah giving me an autograph he said oh do you like macross and i had to say no but i'm planning on getting into <laughs> it at some point <laughs> well at least you were honest about it i, <laughs> I think i said something like it looks really cool <laughs> yeah I think Hidetaka Tenjin was uh, one of the first uh, times at a con that I experienced like the thing where you go to the panel and then go to get in line for the same person for autographs yeah. and you realize that the diehard fans lined up for autographs like two hours ago and there were only yeah. 30 slots and you missed out because yeah. you wanted to go to the panel. <laughs> I hate that. That's the worst. It's really, it's not the greatest, but it was... A while ago, it was, God, it had to be like 2016, no, not 2016, I don't think I went in 2016, had to be like late high school, early college animazement, it was one of those. It was a few, it was a good- For me, it was a while ago. Yeah, a good few years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think that was my first time where I was like, oh, but I, but, but, but. (laughs) Well, if he ever comes back- You'll have a brand new art book from Udon that you can have him autograph. So true. And I'm in Texas now, and there's plenty of cons around here, and maybe mm, there'll there be something. Going yeah. to sign your 10-gallon um, hat. Y- yeah, exactly. And my cowgirl boots that I wear every day because mm-hmm. it's law. Mm-hmm. So that art book was announced, and we were like, oh my gosh, such amazing news. So cool. Love that Frontier and Delta will be like available to people in America now. And then the next day, when we thought they were done, they said, oh, you thought we forgot about Macross 7? You thought that thing about music licensing was true? No, no, no. 
It's going to get two different Blu-ray sets through Nozomi Entertainment and write stuff. Woo. Boom. And hopefully all of this will be spaced out nicely so that I don't go broke. Mm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a good point that some people in our Discord definitely brought up about, like, yeah. hoping that these things have some spacing in between them. And if it's anything like the way that Nozomi and Right Stuff released Gundam, like, it's, it's going to be pretty reasonable. Because I think they did, like, okay. I mean, they've been releasing Gundam since, like, 2015 or 16. And they'll do, mm-hmm. like, maybe, like, I don't know, three or four titles a year. Okay. So Great. it's like like one per quarter. Yeah. Least. Yeah. I'll just put that into my budget. A solid like two hundred dollars every six months for as you <laughs> do cross sets. Yeah. <laughs> just do um, whatever you do for gotcha games. Oh well, for I don't spend. Okay, I, okay. I play a lot of gotcha games. I don't actually spend that much money on gotcha games. Well, good for <gasps> Speaking you. Speaking of across gotcha games, Uta Macross just shut down right after its fifth anniversary so sad well that that sucks i'm sorry for your loss yeah it's okay i didn't spend any money i didn't i think i spent a little bit of money in it but i Mm. didn't lose a lot of money on it or anything Mm. ultimately this is a lot of stuff right lots of great news um, because yeah and hopefully more theatrical releases on the way right i hope so so. like overall what do you what do you think about Macross English releases? Do you have some hope for them with a Western audience? Do I you think feel like it'll just end up being kind of a niche thing still? What do you think? It's really tough to say. I mean, I think... Mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of discussed this a little bit in the uh, first first half of, of, of this episode where we talked about the yeah. first uh, first Frontier movie about how, like... There are a few things in it that are a little esoteric that can only really be understood if you have a pre-existing knowledge of Macross, like the fact, like, why exactly singing is effective against enemies in this universe and, like, what Mm -hmm. Zendrati are and, you know general tropes of the series like idols and love triangles and transforming uh, ships and things like that, so... I feel like if that stuff is not too insurmountable for the average newcomer to Macross, I think if these things end up on streaming, they will end up doing well. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that does give me hope about like, well, what if, you know, because at this point, the, the like the original Mobile Suit Gundam trilogy is on Netflix. So there's probably been a, a lot of people that have watched those for the first time so i'm thinking like if some of the macross stuff like i don't know plus or frontier or delta like end up on netflix and they're not so into their own lore that they can't be accessible to mm-hmm. non-fans i think that it will do well because i mean there's a lot to like like i don't know like idols are pretty popular and the songs are all really good so even those like bass base things i think can sell it to a general audience but i guess only time will tell like what what do you think about that do you think i mean if it's if it's like macross frontier the tv series do you think that that's pretty accessible mm-hmm. to a non-fan audience uh, yeah i think so and i think the tv show has a lot more time to it and explains certain things a lot better versus it still has 
almost the exact same like two to three minutes of exposition that you see in the movies but it's mm-hmm. before like every single episode so eventually you actually grasp what the what the narrator is saying about like in the year 2059 AD previously on but, Macross yeah basically <laughs> definitely a 2007 anime with the recap um <laughs> but yeah I feel like Delta for sure will be a hit with modern anime fans. Uh, but Cross Frontier just might be kind of slow. I don't know, dude. Maybe so. Know, Maybe so. I mean, but Macross Frontier is better. So, <laughs> from from what I've like Debatable, seen, but... from what I've seen of Delta, yeah. it looks like it still mm-hmm. visually holds up to something that would come out nowadays. So that might mm-hmm. that might be the one to really take off if it comes out on streaming. Um, yeah, but, th- but that's going to be the tough thing, I think. Like, you'll definitely get the sickos and the anime super fans to buy this stuff on home video and the super fancy box sets and things like that. But mm-hmm. you know, in terms of it really taking off in the U.S., like it's got to get on streaming. It just it has to. Yeah. Oh, hopefully it will. Hopefully it will. And uh, again, like I said, since Nozomi is handling it and they've done a good job at getting. Like it took a while, but they did a good job getting Gundam into the hands of the people, uh, through both mm-hmm. home video and streaming, sort of in that order. I, I have a feeling that uh they will they will be able to do likewise with, with Macross. And I feel like again, if if the same pattern is to be believed, we'll probably see a big push to get plus on things because that's the one yeah. that people remember the most from back in the day likewise with Gundam Wing mm-hmm. so that one will probably end up on Netflix and it already has an English dub so hopefully they will be able to use that uh it also stars Brian Cranston before he was famous yeah <laughs> <laughs> which I mean you could brand it that way you could put Brian Cranston's face on the cover and be like from the lead actor of Breaking Bad Macross <laughs> Plus yeah we shall see, I guess. I guess we shall see. The other thing is, we're on this podcast talking about the movies. You know, it wasn't announced any kind of Blu-ray for the Macross Frontier movies yet. That's a good point. That I would love. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll maybe they'll do us a solid and just include it with the whole box set. But I I have my sincere doubts about that. No, it sounds like it's just going to be uh, the series, and I think actually for Frontier they are including like some cute little extras in there but i don't think it mentioned having the movies on there Mm. they'll probably release them separately down the line and i also recall that i think somebody in one of the panels asked them about an english dub and they said that that was just not Mm -hmm. something that they were going to be exploring at the time at at this current time yeah which for me as a big dub fan like i kind of wish that these things would come out with english dubs because Mm -hmm. of course that is like great for accessibility and great for yeah. getting more eyeballs onto your thing. But, uh, you know, can't can't always mm-hmm. have it perfectly. Yeah. Also, like, yeah, if it's not doing it with the physical release and then they do a dub after the fact for streaming and then there's a... Would uh, they be, a, like, releasing it again physically? Like... That's not unheard of. Spiral. But it is yeah, always also, annoying. That would be a little wonky. Um, they did that with another yeah, favorite series of yours called Shirobako. Really? There's a dub for Shirobako? Yeah, isn't that oh wild? God, 
I'm trying to, th- I literally own it on Blu-ray and I was like, is there a dub? And I just okay. completely missed that. <laughs> okay. The question is, do you own the complete <laughs> series or do you own the two individual volumes? I think I own the complete series. So it does have well, the dub on it. You might want to check that and it, it probably okay. has the dub on there. Yes. I will, I will check that. <laughs> And it, My it, quote it is a retweet, when you finish this episode and ship it, will be whether or not I have the dub of Shiro Paco. <laughs> Thank and you. everyone will be confused. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I definitely agree it's an accessibility issue to not have a dub, but also understandable if you don't have much of a budget to work mm-hmm. with for the release. Yeah, too, and just so. realistically, because of cost, I can't expect every every single everything to get a dub and like... Mm-hmm. Considering how much Macross just got announced and licensed, like that's well over a hundred episodes. That would be a tall order to dub all at once. But you know, I guess we'll see. Yeah, there's no dates for any of this yet. They didn't even give like aside from the art book, mm-hmm. they didn't even give like a general like coming later this year or like coming in twenty twenty three. So who knows? It could be a while before we hear any more news about any of this, mm-hmm. really. I hope it just comes out at like a like a decent clip like you know maybe one a quarter starting sometime in 2023 or something like that yeah i hope they give it a good trailer because i don't know if you saw the trailers for the macross frontier movies that fathom events made they weren't they weren't good trailers Mm. they were like 20 seconds and they barely showed anything and i was Mm. like how is that gonna make anybody want to come see this movie (laughs) like that's a bummer yeah um but yeah, if they could, if they could, maybe with the money that they're saving from not doing dubs, if they could put that into advertising to do a little bit better on that, that'd be mm. neat. Um, <laughs> but mm-hmm. anyway, let's just let's just get into the movie talk now. Macross Frontier Movie 2, The Wings of Farewell. Subasa no Bye Bye. Was originally released. Bye Bye. Subasa no Bye Bye, correct. No. Sayonara no Subasa. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it was originally released in February 2011, and I feel like it definitely took the alternate part of an alternate theatrical retelling that was originally uh, billed on the first movie and like really took that up a notch. But before we get into the story too, too much, I kind of just want to hit on the visual aspects and the music first, and then we can like really get into the meat of everything. I mean, well, okay, for starters, before we get into specifics, Austin, you kind of mentioned to me that you had issues with the second movie, even more so than the first with the uh, theater or like something happened weird happened in the beginning of it or something yeah um i i won't i won't waste our precious listeners time going too too deep into this but my theatrical experience mm-hmm. was not particularly excellent the oh, I, th- no. I think i mentioned in the first one that they didn't turn off the lights the whole time 
whenever I yeah. saw the first movie, and this time yeah. was the same. <laughs> And they also played the first 20 minutes of the film with no audio. And it also started 10 minutes late. What? Yeah. And they did not restart. No. They didn't restart the movie either. And also no one offered us refunds. Uh, uh, we also didn't ask for refunds. We probably could have. Oh, and they yeah. Probably... I'm like, that's when you kind of have to care in the situation. Yeah. And be yeah. Like... We honestly thought about it. But at that point, we were just mm-hmm. like, I think we're just going to just suck it up and go home we, we could have asked but yeah. you know not a great theatrical experience i will say that so uh shame, shame on you regal cinema you should uh step it up i will not be returning to that particular location harumph that is all the end nice way to let your inner karen out thank Austin. you proud of you i would like to speak to that you got to keep her caged up but every once in a while she comes in handy despite all my rage i still have karen in a cage <laughs> god damn it Oh no. Um but uh despite that the rest of the movie was it was a pretty good. Okay. Uh, animation wise, like was it better than the first one? Was it still kind of lacking in some areas for you? What do you think? Okay, so I think holistically, I think that this movie yeah. was in many ways an improvement on the first one. Uh in mm-hmm. some ways not as strong. But in the ways that okay. I thought it was an improvement was that I thought it was paced a lot better. Uh, it yeah. mm-hmm. was a little bit shorter, which I kind of appreciated. I think it sort of followed up on a lot of the things that were set up in the first movie. And it had many sequences that I just had a lot of fun with. And I'm sure that we'll talk about it later. But like, for instance, uh, a considerable portion of the middle part of this movie is like, a prison break and i did not expect yeah. that at all and that was just it's the best it was a lot of fun <laughs> and yeah. we got to see some cheryl gnome level performances from ronka lee which is something that mm-hmm. we kind of didn't have in the first movie just because her character arc hadn't gotten there yet so right i feel like between the two films it really balanced out both both of the girls in in a very good way in terms of showing off their their performance prowess yeah i i I thoroughly enjoyed uh the second one i i thought it was uh again sort of a a solid improvement on the first movie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely think ranka's uh niji iro kuma kuma the like fairy tale Mm -hmm. performance is so good mm-hmm. <laughs> just visually it's good and like i don't know i just really liked it yeah it was um, it was fun and also yeah and you see I mean, like and... we, we kind of already got a taste of this previously but you see like the distinct contrast and like the types of performers that ronka and cheryl are and they're both very different from one another which which makes them yep. you know stand in stand in good contrast and it's mm-hmm. it's very well realized and sort of the visual flavor of their of their concert scenes. Yeah, for sure. And even just like their style of, well, their style of music is like similar enough that when they do a duet mm-hmm. or overlap, it's like makes sense still. But like they mm-hmm. definitely have different themes behind their um, presentations definitely. for sure. I think the fights in this one had a bit more visual clarity. I think in the first movie, it's really, really fast and really cool looking, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to tell what exactly is happening. Mm-hmm. 
because you're just like there's missiles coming from that way and that way and that way ah <laughs> oh, what's happening <laughs> yeah like um, i mean it's not anything particularly different i thought than the first mm-hmm. movie some of the fights were a little mm-hmm. bit difficult to understand sort of what is physically going on but yeah also not all that essential because mm-hmm. at the base level it's you know the transforming uh airplane robots against giant bug monsters so there's not a lot of i don't know like visual cohesion that you really need because they're like fighting yeah. in like a in the blank sort of canvas of space so, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a little, it could be a little disorienting. It certainly wasn't like the greatest space combat I've ever seen, but you know, I, I could forgive it in that regard. But you also reminded me, did you have a positive theatrical experience? Yeah, I think uh, this time worked out a lot better than last time. The The theater, I had about the same amount of people as it did for the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, which is uh, not too many, but hopefully Likewise. in bigger cities it was better. Uh, but I will say that for the second movie, I think just because there's a lot more exciting things happening and stuff, there was a lot more of a reaction from the audience. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun mm-hmm. to like experience too. Mm-hmm. Did they play anything in the pre in the pre show for you guys that was Macross oh, yeah. related? Yeah. Um, okay, because they started they because they started late for us. We didn't get any of that, right. so I'm really curious as to what that was pretty similar to the first one except the actresses said the title of the second movie it was just uh megumi nakajima and aya endo being like hi thank you so much for supporting um across frontier in u.s theaters it's been so long since i've worked on this movie but it was such a good experience Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then they give like a five minute long ad for the ronka and cheryl gnome proplica mics (laughs) Uh, that cracked me up so bad the first time i was just like this is hilarious like they're they're trying and at that time at that time it was like well we didn't have any of the announcements for the home video releases or anything so it right so it's like who are you selling this to (laughs) exactly i was just like okay so you're trying to sell us the toys but you won't give us the show okay yeah (laughs) all right Um, i mean the context um, is different now uh, but it wasn't mm-hmm. then, so that 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 was very humorous to me. I'm like, they're very cool looking. I don't know if I need them, but yeah. they're very cool looking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's also a very long ad, and it's like, I we get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, and like you know the usual fathom events, like before the thing starts, of just like brought to you by this list of anime conventions and animation was in there and i was like hey nice. i've been to that one very um, cool yeah it, it yeah, was in ours it was in ours too. as well yeah. so it must have been like whichever conventions were part University. of the sponsorship team that they just got to yeah. be everywhere which is pretty cool yeah did you stay for after the credits i did oh did you get did you guys also get the or because it was it started late maybe you didn't the um music video selection thing no we did and that was slightly annoying oh, to me okay. but we did get them oh it was annoying how oh well because i it would have been much better if they played the entire thing oh valid <laughs> <laughs> it was like a highlight reel of some of their music videos and i'm just like i know these things are longer i know you're just being yeah. very japanese music company well... about this 
I think a couple of them were actually literally just like shortened like pachinko videos. Oh, that's <laughs> I'm lame. Sure. I that's think. lame, but also know, cool, but also lame. Yeah. Yeah, I think Good Job and Sayonara no Tsubasa were either Pachinko or from some kind of video game or something. But they're mm, not like the official release. Or maybe maybe they were included on like the CDs or the DVDs that came with the CDs for some release of something. But yeah. I guess if I had weird. to be a little bit less picky, I do appreciate that they showed <laughs> them because they are cool. And especially seeing yeah. like the, the more newer like 3D CG versions of the yeah. of the mm-hmm. music videos that was pretty cool but yeah i think the music video selection was a bit of a surprise because there wasn't any indication that they were showing that afterwards mm-hmm. i was sticking around till the last minute anyway because i was like i want to hear the songs on the big music theater speaker <laughs> mm, yes was was the sound balance better for you this time or was it about the same oh, yeah yeah it was definitely better um Good. Yeah, I'm. Uh, unfortunately, my girlfriend has taken me to so many different like IMAX and RPX showing now, though, that I'm so picky <laughs> with sound in movie mm. theaters. Is she like a theater hound in terms of like? She's she's like a total sound buff for sure. Otaku. Um, yeah, like we have one of the first things that she bought for our house was a decent like surround sound system for our TV downstairs. So. Nice. Speaking of sound, I mean, I'm not sure if the music in these Macross movies is really like a style that you like, but like, what did you think of the music in the series? Oh, it is absolutely definitely a style that I like. So I am, oh, nice. I am I'm very down for this type of music. Uh, mm-hmm. General J-pop is very appealing to me. I do like idol music, uh, whether it's right. ensemble or whether it's uh, just single artist. So I, I really dug all of the music. I think... Um, Maine has like a very unique voice and mm-hmm. uh, whoever I, I forget her name but like Ronka's singer is uh, a little mm-hmm. bit more generic but still like very talented so and yeah. I and I thought most of the arrangements were quite good I think if I if you were going to ask me which you probably were which which one of my favorite which <laughs> track was my favorite uh yeah. honestly probably Sayonara no Subasa. I thought that was uh, quite oh, yeah. quite a solid song yeah it's so good. It's a great yes. sequence, but then if you just listen to the song on its own, it's such a good song. Yes, very, um, very good song. But what about you? Which yeah. uh, I, I, Obviously, I know you like the music, but which one is your favorite yes. from this movie? Oh, God. I mean... Um, gun to your head. Well, gun to my head, it's going to be the medley because that way I don't have to pick. <laughs> oh, you... No, but I do love, okay, what I love about the medley in the movie and there's also a couple that came from the show is that um, there there are these moments where you have Ronka singing little bits of Cheryl's songs and vice versa, but they still kind mm. of bring their own style to it. And that's always interesting to see. And also just uh, Yoko Kano is good and really great at just kind of weaving everything together in an interesting way. So true. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. I really like uh, Get It On is a really fun song. Um, Was that the first one? I mean, Sayonara Tsubasa is good. Uh, It's the one that they sing after the prison, like towards the end of the prison break. Oh, where the other bandmates were were dressed as Firebomber? Yeah, after after Seikon Hiko, after Cheryl gets onto the stage before they descend into the stage. 
that. Oh, uh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, it's really catchy. Um I don't know. I like them all. I've had them all on loop <laughs> for like God knows how many years, so <laughs> It's like picking a favorite child a little bit. <laughs> of course, of course, of course, of course. Uh, also, I'm gonna say if you if you need to link my Macross Frontier playlist on Spotify mm-hmm. because all of this music is on Spotify, or at least the majority of it, in the show notes for our lovely view- viewers, listeners, I guess you can do that. <laughs> I I certainly will. That will be in the show notes. Conclusion of the Macross Frontier movies, the overall stories of them, the fate of our characters. What are your thoughts on the story of Wings of Farewell? So, (laughs) let's see. So when we last left, uh, no, no, it's fine. I I think I can, I think I can jump onto that Mm -hmm. somehow. Um, Okay. I. The hmm. where did we leave off? So where where we kind of left off with our characters is that their uh the the love triangle, if you will, was uh, firmly established. So we sort of enter mm-hmm. this film knowing that everybody knows that everybody likes each other in one yeah. way or another. Uh, and one thing that I think is not as strong about this movie compared to the first one is that we don't get as nearly as many good character moments with our uh, main cast sort of together and interacting with each other because mm-hmm. there's so much more action and activity going on in this film. It's just like we we begin off and then we sort of find out that something is wrong with Cheryl. Like she's she's sick, she's ill. So mm-hmm. like uh, we, we have to establish that and go through the process of like explaining what's going on with her. And then she gets uh, arrested for being a spy. Like, uh, and I can't remember, was that, was were they just like framing her or was she actually a spy? Some of those, some of the political machinations in this film I found to be a little bit confusing. I wasn't mm-hmm. sure, I wasn't a hundred percent sure like, who was on each side and whose motivation was informed by what to do to do what I it it, it a little yeah. it lost me a little bit. Well, I think um, it's like she's definitely a government asset for Galaxy on a certain level right. because she was adopted by a colonel, um, mm-hmm. who was also her manager and whatnot. <laughs> so I don't know if she's like fully trained in on everything spy level. But she definitely, like, knows of some things. But she doesn't really have control over anything. She just kind of has to go with whatever because the government owns right. her, basically. Right. Like, she's she's not sort of acting on her own free will in this situation. She's kind of being, being used for the uh, political ends of the, the people that sort of are, over, are overseeing her. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. 
and then sort of it's revealed that we've got some robot people going on and we've got some more secret siblings which is like my least favorite trope in fiction <laughs> so I didn't really like that don't like the secret sibling trope Aww. Um, even uh, if there's not... amnesia involved <laughs> oh especially I especially hate it if amnesia is involved uh, shout out to you Bill Foreman I know that's your least favorite trope um, but you know all of that aside I still found the film to be quite enjoyable because mm-hmm. of the big sequences and set pieces going on I think uh, Alto uh, got some fun things to do like him being dressed as a maid to go into break uh, Cheryl out of prison was pretty fun um, mm-hmm. And I thought a nice callback to how we've established that, you know, he was a former child prodigy as a uh, kabuki actor that primarily played female characters. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's not it's not really played as a as a as a gag, which is a lot of times whenever yeah. sort of yeah. quote unquote drag is invoked in anime. It's meant to be like a joke. Uh, mm-hmm. And in this, it was just like appropriate because it's just like, oh, this is he's in a theatrical environment. This is, you know, it only makes sense based on, you know, his prior experience. Well, I mean, just like the whole prison break sequence and the fact that they put Cheryl Gnome in freaking Alcatraz <laughs> was like. Right. The literal <laughs> Alcatraz or space Alcatraz. So I don't good. know. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's it's Alcatraz, but in space. So, <laughs> yes. Who's in been San in Alcatraz? Al Capone. Inter or not, yeah, intergalactic superstar Cheryl. No, there you go. Yes, correct. Both on the same level as one another. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Yep. I don't particularly think I liked the conniving villain that we had in this film. Mm -hmm. The uh, sort of ruthless military commander who was uh, sort of in charge of uh, was it is it Galaxy? Is the organization? that sort of wants to use Cheryl's power to harness the power of the Viarha or whatever they're called. I want to say Viera, but I know that's Final Fantasy XIV. Vajra? The Varha. Yeah, Vajra, excuse me. Vajra, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, I found him to be very non-compelling. He was just kind of there. Just like, oh, here's here's a villain. Here's an archetypal villain. He's I'm very gonna mean. be menacing, grr. Yeah, I yeah, think. I'm well, gonna be mean. Wh- are you talking about the guy with the bowl cut? Yes, the guy with the horrible haircut. Which so he's did not... actually he's military, but he's uh, Macross Frontiers. Mil- he's Frontiers military. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, which that's how clearly they established that, huh? But yeah, yeah. Um, see. Mm, yeah, a lot yeah. of those details were just lost. I just did not... They were probably uttered, and mm-hmm. they were in the text of the film, but in mm-hmm. terms of me, in my feeble understanding, be able, like, being able to comprehend yeah. on the fly. Yeah, it was not clear. It was very difficult yeah. to understand. Things were things were moving fast. Yeah, that's fair. In the words of horse ebooks, everything happens so much all the time. Yes, so true. <laughs> Yeah, he's with Macross, and then the old because the old guys that he's that he's always with is the president of Macross Frontier. Yes, but see, these are things that I grasped because I watched the show, which like takes time to establish that whole hierarchy and like introduce those people and stuff. Okay, um, so I'm so glad that you you got here because I wanted to I wanted to ask you, and I don't particularly care about spoilers, 
But what about this film makes Uh it such a radical departure from the TV series? Okay, so for starters, if memory serves me correctly, the whole like infiltration thing where you see all of the android people connected to Cheryl's manager, like going in and like taking care of stuff. Um, Hacking into the system. Right. So I'm pretty sure that in the show, I think uh, whenever they go to do that, they kind of almost mostly succeed. Um, And it doesn't, it ends in a very different way with a lot of stuff on Frontier kind of going to shit Mm. um, for a little bit before they can get a handle on it again. And then the the president isn't like killed in a in like a control room by the android people. He's killed in a hallway when he's trying to escape by the bullcut military guy. So that bullcut military guy can take over Frontier's response to the infiltration. So or you know and then I mean, so then from Okay. Hmm? Oh, I'm sorry. Please continue. I didn't realize. Well, there was so more, then everything from that point is pretty different. Um, gosh, like literally the ending of the show and the movie, both very different. Very, mm. very different. Mm. In well, do you want to? Know? I don't know if I want to say it though, too. Because what if well, somebody I watched guess... the movie? Oh, that's a good be- point. Watch, I guess and then they're listening I, I to guess... this and they're going to go check out the show. <laughs> dealer's choice on whether or not you wanted to spoil it but uh i guess you know because because what you outlined there sounds like Mm -hmm. uh differences for the sake of expedience i don't know would that be a would that be an accurate an accurate um characterization the entire prison break thing doesn't happen cheryl does not go to prison really um interesting pretty sure yeah uh there's a lot more time spent on like it's, it's like barely touched on in the movie of how like now that Ronka's doing stuff, she's busy. And now that Alto's, you know, fighting more, he's busy. And now that Cheryl's doing whatever she does, now that Cheryl's like dying of Vars, she's mm-hmm. busy. <laughs> um, that's touched on a lot more in the show of like them desperately trying to like interact more and then just like not really being able to. Um, uh, the perils also, of adulthood where everyone is busy. Yeah. Also a lot more of Alto kind of struggling with like being a fighter versus like the dude just wants to fly shit. Like he doesn't want mm. to shoot at shit, you know? It seemed, it seemed like they were setting up kind of that conflict where he's like, not exactly on the same level as everyone else in the military, but he still has sort of this innate desire to want to like pilot the Valkyries and things like that. But he doesn't seem Uh particularly keen on being like a warrior. Yeah. It's very much like he, he seems more of like a defensive type of, of, of uh, fighter rather than like an actively like I'm fighting for a just and noble cause. He just kind of wants to protect people in a defensive way. Mm hmm. Um, I mean, I think one of the biggest things is that uh, at the end of the first movie, Ronka gets, like, taken by a bug, but then they, like, immediately get her back before the bug even leaves, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, In the show, that kind of happens, but then later on, she, like, willingly decides to go and find 
the Vajra and like connect with them and like help them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they I mean, still there get seems mind to control be a... and then they use her. But here we are. Um, there seems to be a, like a hint of that in like the very mm-hmm. ending where they were just like, oh, you know, the Vajra and the humans, like if we only learn to understand each other, maybe we would not mm-hmm. be at war, which is kind of the same idea, but it's 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 far more truncated than it seems like what you're describing from the show. Yeah, there's a lot of things like a lot of arcs like that that are um, missing and kind of almost replaced with certain things like the prison break arc um, Mm -hmm. in the movie. Mm -hmm. There's still a super huge, super cool fight at the end. So that's Mm -hmm. fun. But again, it does end totally differently to the point where it's like, which one is technically canon in the Macross like overarching timeline? Is it the frontier series ending or the frontier movie ending because they're very very different i feel like if you point blank ask choji kawamori to his face what the answer mm-hmm. to that question would be he would just like pat you on the shoulder smile and walk away yeah he'd be like it doesn't matter and i mean honestly <laughs> i like both of the endings so like i'm okay with that but right right well it's like evangelion it's a time loop there you go done there you the go end. boom done so yeah it seems to me like I mean, the differences are definitely mm-hmm. clear, yes. but the arcs kind of bend in a similar direction with the exception of the ending, uh, which I can I can imagine in my brain what the ending is for the show, but I'm not going to speculate or particularly uh, say anything in too much detail about the ending. But mm-hmm. uh, I will say I thought the ending was uh, fine. I thought it was mm-hmm. fine. It was uh, mm-hmm. not a particularly excellent ending. It feels like an ending I've seen before, uh, mm. maybe in another certain uh, giant robot series that I will not name drop. But, mm. um, <laughs> you know, it was it was good. It was good. One other aspect of the movie, aside from the prison break part and the finale and the really cool concert scenes, another part that really sticks out to me now that I'm rewatching the movie is uh, the fight between Brera and, um, oh my gosh, I forgot his name, uh, her adoptive brother. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a cool moment. Um, I kind of wish mild spoiler alert i kind of wish her adopted brother had like actually died but like i guess it's fine (laughs) because Uh, yeah yeah the show has a couple of pretty permanent depths deaths for certain characters so it was kind of crazy that like 
the movies didn't really have that when it had so mm. much more action happening, but mm-hmm. Oh yeah, this is definitely the like the action movie compared to the drama movie of the first one. Yeah. Yeah, that's the yin and yang, I guess. Right. Um and <laughs> and about the brother the brothers conflict, which is yeah. a completely different anime. Pro fight. Um Oh, yes. I, anime. I thought it was uh fine. I mean, again, I I kind of go back to what I said about like the secret brother trope. Uh mm-hmm. I I I'm mostly tuned out everything that happened with that character because I was not particularly invested. Like I thought okay. he was interesting as like a, mm-hmm. a, like a, like a espionage agent or whatever, but I found yeah. the, the, the pull of like, no Ranka, I'm your missing brother was like very, uh, not great. Like mm-hmm. it just, it did not interest me. It did not give me like a, you know, a wow moment or yeah. it was particularly compelling or, and they, they didn't really even really do much with that either. So I just thought, you know, these these characters can exist independently and this you could have completely removed this plot twist and the movie would have shaken out basically the same. So yeah. I was not particularly invested in that. Um, and yeah. in, with regards yeah. to her other like adoptive brother, I feel like he he did. He had that whole speech with Alto about. Uh, oh, oh, what was it like? What what was the what was the crux of that speech? I remember oh he had I one, remember. but I don't remember what <laughs> yeah. it was about. He sure did uh, have it, a tough guy speech about being a tough guy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, just like tough guy speech, like oh, protect uh-huh. the ones you love or something, something like that. And I'm just like, ah, oh, yeah, this is fine. Kind of make make very much makes sense for his character, but you know, and and I I don't really know that I can expect differently, but. It, it feels like a lot of the threads with, with characters like that just remain unpulled, mm-hmm. um, especially if you extrapolate it to, again, uh, and I said the same thing in the first half, extrapolate that same thing to a lot of the cast of uh, folks that are on, on the bridge, like the, the crew mm-hmm. of like um, like Alto's fellow military folk. Yeah, uh, they just don't really get much to do. They just seem like character designs that stand yeah. there and say a few lines. Yeah, I mean, like, mm, yeah, his 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 one classmate that's like a younger looking like kid dude, little mm-hmm. cute guy. Do you know? Yeah, I'm talking yeah, about? little cute yeah. guy. <laughs> the guy with the <laughs> that's the, his name the, the fluffy the the poofy hair. Yeah, little cute fluff guy. Um. He kind of had a couple things to do in this movie, at least, but mm-hmm. definitely not. He definitely had the most, yeah. Yeah, and it was definitely kind of a hit and run of like, boom, boom, okay, he's done, shelled him mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, I did also, sort of on the flip side of that, in mm-hmm. in Cheryl's team, mm-hmm. I did appreciate how we got, it, it, to me, it was a bit of a bait and switch where we think that her female glasses manager, yeah. or wh- whomever, cr- yeah. what is her name, like? Is it Christine? Grace. Is that her it's name? Grace. Grace. I'm Grace. sorry. I don't know why yeah. I thought Christine, Christine. but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um Steinsgate on the brain, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Um I I liked the idea that it, it at least to me, it seemed like they were setting up that she was going to be a villain in the first mm-hmm. film. Yeah. But then they completely pull the rug out from that idea in the second film, and she's just like completely and thoroughly like an ally she may have aligned herself with the same people that were taking advantage of cheryl and her her powers in the beginning 
but you know whenever she gets backstabbed she realizes oh these these people are are no good i probably should have known this all along and then she does whatever she can to help cheryl out yeah so i I I did appreciate that that was a little bit unexpected yeah i think it's literally that she's an android so like part of her like she was basically being brain controlled or whatever by Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. brain controlled that's not the word i'm looking for but yeah (laughs) right yeah she even she even mentions something like that like there's a lot of mind control going on here there's a there's a lot going on in this movie there's it's yep it comes at you hard and fast (laughs) and you just got it it really does um but yeah a whole frontier of nonsense so true but i love it so much but yeah 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 i think grace yeah i think grace in the end of the movie is a really neat moment um i can't remember if that happened in the show or if she just went full baddie up until all the way till the end i don't remember Mm -hmm. i do find it interesting that the thing that is wrong with Cheryl in the beginning is that she has like some sort of throat disease, which is so on the nose considering she's a singer. Yeah. Well, like, it's it's because... Don't they make it make sense with the plot? It's because the... Well, okay. The whole reason why she's such a good singer and why she's being used and why she has control over the fold waves is because she has had that bacteria in her throat that's been like inert but it's given her powers but then it's she's used her voice so much that Mm -hmm. it's like picking up speed it's it's space it's space aids space aids here we are um Mm, unfortunate so is it established then that retroactively all of the good singers and macross have the same thing or is it just cheryl and then depending on the answer to that question does that mean (laughs) that cheryl is a bad singer unless she has the throat bacteria and i don't know what the implications of that are i don't know i don't know it does end with her like i think it like you get a shot of them doing surgery on her throat before she goes into like that is true she's in a coma so can she even talk or sing anymore nobody knows um that is a good point well she does end up covering um uh val uh walkure songs later on so she's fine so true she also did gorgeous that's true yeah that was at the end of how do you pronounce that is it is it just pronounced valkyrie or is it walkyrie or walkyrie i don't know yeah walkyrie i think it's walkyrie and that's how they say it i think that's that's how they say it in the show dude i don't know um well you're the expert here i mean okay fold waves are definitely the thing some people just have an innate like thing over fold waves fold crystals help you out with that one fold waves and the vars the v bacteria or vars i think it's a virus actually in delta i don't remember are like oh, things so it does that are come meant again. yeah it, it all of that comes up a lot in delta the fold waves. Interesting. it's like the only way that they let people into their cute little idol group is if they have magical fold wave voices but not everybody who has one is a good singer i don't know anyway midichlorians midichlorians yes i mean yeah i think Mm -hmm. it's something that's in and out of the different macross franchises in varying Mm -hmm. like importance i guess depends Mm. in this one it's kind of important because like ronka's innately like connected to it but not 
negatively affected by it, whereas Cheryl's very negatively affected by it. So extremely like, so. Let's take her organs and put them in Cheryl. Mm-hmm. It'll work out great. <laughs> Um, yeah didn't even check if they had the same blood type or anything they just went for it they were just like we can do that it'll be fine (laughs) well they don't have blood types in the macross universe oh you're right um but yeah i mean ultimately it was great to see it in theaters i'm glad i did i would definitely recommend people who saw the movies and liked the premise but we're kind of confused on stuff to check out the show. Hopefully Hello, that's me. it'll be streaming soon. Until then, um figure out a way to watch it. Sorry. Um and yeah, I mean I think it takes a lot more time to explain different plot points and things and build different stuff up. So it, it actually it might end up feeling like certain parts of it might feel more like a slog than the movies, to be honest. Well, I imagine kind of based on what you said that there's a lot more sort of uh, relationship drama stuff going on. There's also a lot of like cute school episodes that are just like "Mm -hmm," doing stuff. Mm -hmm. But right. And I kind of expect that. Yeah. um, Based on, you know, what what a what a big tent pole of this series is the relationship between the three main leads. So it, it is a little uh it, it's very expected that the show mm-hmm. would have a lot more of that at, at yeah. least in my mind having not seen it yeah 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 so so are you gonna go check out the show or do you think the <laughs> clearly the movies were not as clear as you would want them to be so are you gonna go dig into the show and like give it a shot so i'll say this just kind of just kind of in closing about mm-hmm. about the movies so i found the movies to be uh highly entertaining even if i found some of the details kind of muddy and complicated and et cetera, et cetera. But, but I enjoyed my time with them. Like, I don't, I don't think that these movies are like bad to me. I I found, Mm -hmm. I had a lot of fun with both of these movies, even if there are things in it that were just like, okay, well, I didn't really like that character or this could have been better or I wish this had turned out differently, et cetera. Mm -hmm. I, I had a lot of fun and I enjoyed it. Uh, despite all of its nonsense, because I think the things that are really good about it, which is, uh, of course, the uh, the the combat, the visuals, the idol concerts, the three main leads uh, are pretty strong. Mm-hmm. All all of that carried me pretty well through both of these films, despite the uh, peripheral details that I found either you know not not as strong so all of that being said i would be very interested in watching the tv series because i feel like going into them with this pre-established affection for the characters and mm-hmm. the universe and everything that's going on with this will prime me to enjoy the series more knowing that i get more time with a lot of characters and might appreciate some of the side characters more that i didn't really get a chance to spend much time with in the movies so I'm not I'm not in a huge hurry to like start it tonight, mm-hmm. but I would probably <laughs> watch the TV series. Uh, and I'm and I'm generally at this point invested in Macross as a franchise because mm-hmm. everything that I have seen from it, I've generally enjoyed pretty well. Mm-hmm. So I would I would definitely give the the TV series a shot. So I'm I'm excited to know that it's uh, licensed. So yeah, cool. 
Well, do you think, okay, do you think, if you're interested in Macross in general, do you think the first series that you want to watch is Frontier, or do you want to try a different one first? Um, I mean, I'm a, I'm a sucker for variety. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't, I don't know exactly what I would do, but like, I don't know, checking out Delta would be pretty fun. Mm-hmm. But I also know that if I just go ahead and watch Frontier, it'd probably be like a smoother transition. But I also might be insane and just go ahead and start Macross 7. I don't know. I still need to finish <laughs> Do You Remember Love? I've only watched like oh, 30 no. minutes of that thing. Uh, yeah, so, okay. I gotta finish that. that. That's like... <laughs> yeah. That's like a big that's like a big deal or I could just be a jerk and watch plus again. So I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know what I'll well, do. Yeah, just follow your heart. Thank you. Yeah. There's probably no wrong way to do it. I just I will I don't know if I have the stomach yet to mm-hmm. watch Super Dimensional Fortress Macross. I do, I just don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can. I don't even know where you would find all of it conveniently websites oh true i mean we at the third impact anime podcast do not condone piracy what about what about space piracy that's fine okay (laughs) if your name is harlock it's all good (laughs) you're in (laughs) any other any other thoughts we're moving forward i don't think so i just i really appreciate you ferrying me through this franchise and uh, talking with me about it because it's it's been a lot of fun yeah also sometimes you like need to talk about it to understand what the heck's going down (laughs) exactly exactly kind of just one thing that we came across in our little macross discussions and journeys on the internet um was about the existence of english subs already on the japanese blu-rays of the macross frontier movies and of Macross delta and that being attributed to a group of dudes known as the Gaijin Butai. This one's already going long, so we don't really have time to really dig into it, but definitely we'll share a link to a really interesting Giant Robot FM ep- that episode that they were on and Anime News Network article that kind of crossed Austin's, I guess, where'd you find that? Like Twitter or just... <laughs> like what? yeah twitter yeah <laughs> so yeah it was a it was an interesting story that i found from uh the writer uh writer writer strike on twitter is his name and he mm. did a write-up about like the history of the macross frontier english translation and how it's like a lot older than what we would think considering these movies just recently got licensed and put out in the u.s by fathom events so like you would think that all that would exist would be like unofficial fan subs or something but apparently the subtitle tracks for these movies have existed for quite a while so uh, it was very interesting to uh to read about the story behind those so again like sarah said the uh Links to those will be in the show notes if you want to check out like an interesting little behind the scenes sort of fandom story related to the Macross Frontier movies. So it's pretty yeah. cool. Um, and regardless of where you're listening, you can find those show notes at our website. What is our website? <laughs> ThirdImpactAnime.com? ThirdImpactAnime.com. It's a really interesting story. And uh, 
honestly a little bit jealous because all of the really cool Macross events that they got to go to sound really fun and I would mm. die to have that kind of fandom experience in the US and maybe with these releases we can have something similar go down, who knows. Maybe at conventions in the future, maybe Nozomi or Anime Limited will go all out for some of their up- upcoming Macross promotion stuff within the next like couple of years. That would be really neat. I know my Ronco cosplays that I've done have, like, I always expect to not get that many people recognizing me, and they always hit it off, like, relatively well, so. We'll see. Probably because um, she's pretty recognizable if you know true. what you're looking for. Yeah, true. Nobody nobody points at you iconic. and says, it's Yotsuba. Not quite, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Not yet. I need the pigtails. Um, but yeah. Uh, and I mean, also, they have a... A couple of them are in the podcast. Do you remember Macross? And do you remember Macross and Giant Robot FM? I have not listened to before working on this this podcast episode, and both of them are like such cool, chill podcasts to listen to. Um, I'm excited to dive into those a little bit more. But yeah, just wanted to mention that. Moving mm-hmm. right along to our final question of the podcast: Are you ready, Austin? I'm ready. Lay it on me. All right. Macross is definitely not dying anytime soon. So what would you like to see in the next Macross project? What will it be? What will the next Macross project be? So Delta's over. No Mm -hmm. more Delta. And that's the most Mm -hmm. recent thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I haven't seen the second movie yet, but I'm assuming it's only two movies. Gotcha. So that means, you know, Delta started in 2016, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So it's probably about time for a new Macross. Right. So I don't know. I mean, if they continue to go down the path that they have been going, they went from, uh, well, at least in Plus, you know, we had, you know, a love triangle with two dudes and one gal. In Frontier, we had two gals and one dude. Mm-hmm. In Delta, it was like a whole idol group and like a dude. I don't really know that much about Delta, but that's Delta's my also Delta's a girl pilot, a boy pilot, and a girl singer is the main mm. triangle. Yeah, it's not the whole group gotcha. and one guy. I promise. They're also oh, two, of the, yeah. two of the I... people in the girl group are kind of gay, so that's great. Oh, okay. Um, well, I, I didn't. I didn't want to be. Uh, I, I didn't want to assume that there were any love triangles <laughs> at all in Delta because I had no idea. Oh yeah. Um, well. Yeah, so, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, um, or, or, or love quadrangles or whatever it is that you yeah, want to yeah, call yeah. them. Love dodecahedrons, uh, you know. Yeah, exactly. So I can only imagine that. And then we had a rock, rock band in seven, mm-hmm, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I mean, if you wanted to get a little nuts with it, I mean, maybe there's like a dude group of Macross singers and like a mm-hmm. non singing female protagonist. That would be kind of interesting. That would be neat. Um, yeah. And I definitely think that that would be successful because there's definitely things out there that are like that. Yeah. I'm so, thinking... I mean, if they're looking if they're looking to do something different, I yeah. think that that's the direction that they should go in. Yeah. I'm definitely thinking something similar. Like, in order to keep the appeal for the fans who are into the more masculine stuff but also the fans who were brought on with frontier and delta and want like the frilly idol stuff maybe like a co-ed 
group mm-hmm. or band of some kind and it's like an interchangeable cool. sometimes there's a dude singer sometimes there's a girl singer maybe mm-hmm. a non-binary character Ooh. perhaps we maybe they're all zendrati and they're very tall that would be cute or they could just go the cinderella girls route and just have like 50 to 100 singers <laughs> And then make oh, a mobile wow. game out of it, and uh, it'll be it'll be very interesting. <laughs> well, they already did. I mean, Kawamori already did AKB 0048, which is uh, Macross without its without Macross. It's Macross Delta p- prototype. If you like Macross Delta, mm. watch AKB 0048. You'll notice a lot mm. of similarities, <laughs> like a lot. Mm. Regardless, it will have. Whatever the new Macross is, it will have excellent songs and it will have excellent robot designs because yes. that is a, a a a steadfast truth to the whole franchise, at least from what I know about it. Yeah, true. So those are my predictions. Nice. Thank you. Applause. Um. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think. That wraps it up for our wonderful Macross movie adventure. Um, Austin, where can the people find you? They can find me over on Twitter and on Mastodon at BebopShock. You can also find the Third Impact Anime brand Twitter over on Twitter at TI underscore anime. And like Sarah said earlier, if you would like show notes for this episode and for every other episode that we've ever done, you can check out all of that on Third Impact Anime. Dot com. Yay! And you can find me on Twitter at UniqueXHarmony, currently experiencing extreme lacrosse brain melt from all of these amazing freaking announcements. And yeah, that's it. Bye bye.